listeners, we're here. We made it to season one finale, part two. Yeah, actual factual season one finale. Yep, it's got different storyboarders, different titles, so it counts as a different episode. But we're watching it right after we finish discussing the return. So, and now Derry gets to see what becomes of our heroes. Yeah, I was going to say, I imagine not many people actually watch them separately. I mean, you said they went out right one after the other right away. Yeah, they were shown on the same day back to back. I don't know if there was like a commercial in between. I assume there was. I'm just thinking it might be a rare thing that we actually looked at the return as the return and not right. the first half of the return slash jailbreak. I think a lot of people do watch them together in like one video if they're doing a video reaction or whatever. But I mean, they are different episodes and they do accomplish different things. But then, you know, there are other shows that give you like cliffhangers and then don't come back for months. So, I mean, mean, we're, we're lucky that we just didn't have somebody who does that and just leaves us with our hero being headbutted by Jasper. and That's it for months. So... But yeah, I mean, obviously I haven't seen the back half of this yet, but I know on other shows there are some episodes that are just perpetually bound together. Yeah. I mean, I can easily see a fan, for example, saying, oh, I'll rewatch the season one finale and watching the pair rather than only watching one of the two. Yeah. Or maybe the content of Jailbreak will change my mind on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, they are definitely linked episodes because the, you know, the return is set up and this is the payoff of the setup. So let's get paid. Here we go. We are the Crystal Gems. We'll always save the day. And if you think we can. Yikes. They are really bad for each other. Uh, hello? Steven, I got your message. Are you okay? What's going on? Steven? If I could begin to be half of what you think. Everything. How was that just 11 and a half minutes? I know. So that live up to the hype? What do you think? Oh, that was the business. Oh, my God. (laughs) Wow. Hmm. I can't even tell you how many times I've seen that and it's still just such a punch in the face. Yeah, I could see some of your reactions out the corner of my eye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, let's see if I can recap and bring the listeners along for the ride. Yeah, yeah, some this up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> well, we open, Stephen wakes up in a room in a milieu shop. It's all green, as we'll come to know. It's a cell on the hand ship he's got a black eye probably from being nutted earlier yeah and as he puts it all back together he sees that the exit to the cell is basically a force field but when he touches it he can actually push through it and it makes some energy marks on him a bit like the destabilizer but he shakes him up a bit but he can ultimately get through it and he's like right gotta find everyone and work out what's going on and save the day and as he's Running along, he comes to another cell occupied by a new gem, a Stephen-sized gem. Come to know this red gem as Ruby. Ruby's crying and at first is just 
crying and angry and get the hell out of here. Then it's like, wait, you're out. How did you do that? And Stephen shows her that he can interrupt the force field and can do it if he positions himself right so that Ruby can emerge in the gap he makes. And then Ruby does so and runs straight off looking for someone called Sapphire. We can hear some kind of singing somewhere, which Ruby credits to Sapphire. They find another occupied cell. At first, Ruby thinks it might be this Sapphire, but it's Lapis. And Lapis is despondent, the poor love. She doesn't want to be let out. She's just telling Stephen, look, just do what they say. And they might go, is your look. Lapis is freaking broken, all right? Lapis is my pet heartbreak Ruby at the moment of what she's going through here. They leave Lapis because ultimately if she doesn't want to be let out, there's not much they can do for her, at least right now. And they do come across another cell that does... No, they don't because they get separated. Stephen comes across another cell that contains a Stephen-sized blue gem, who we learn is the missing sapphire. He lets her out with the method we've seen a few times, and she reacts like, oh, of course. She thanks Stephen in so many words. Of note, Stephen has not told her his name yet. Soon enough, Stephen, Sapphire and Ruby are all reunited. Ruby and Sapphire obviously love each other very much. And did they hurt you? No, did they hurt you? They do the joyful twirl of love and turn into blob of white light and their gems move and they fuse and together they are garnet. Because as Stephen reacts, this basically garnet, like you're a fusion. And I'm like, yeah, Garnet's a fusion. Yeah. <laughs> Garnet gives Stephen a little pep talk, including saying that, did he make a good first impression on Sapphire and Ruby? And she says, oh, we've always loved you. Gives him a dose of future vision to find Pearl and Amethyst in their own cells. He jogs off to find them. And then enter Jasper. We'd briefly seen her in Peridot before, clonking around the corridor. Peridot's all, I wish most luck with a cluster. And Jasper's like, nah, the rose quartz things take priority. But Jasper's here. We're going to give you a job. <laughs> Jasper's here on her own for a rematch with Garnet. And Garnet launched into it because she is not only Ruby and Sapphire and Garnet, she is also Estelle and launches into a freaking awesome song as they go head to head, toe to toe. And this time Garnet has no time for being destabilized or shocked or anything. Jasper is very unimpressed, much like Captain Janeway. She does not like fusions, especially not this one, because this fusion just pretty much beats the tire out of her until she knocks her into some energy generator space gem tech thing and electrocutes her. Mm -hmm. On the bridge of the ship, the control room, whatever it's called, Amethyst and Pearl have restrained Peridot Peridot. Peridot's actually quite funny when she's tied up for some reason. <laughs> and Pearl's like, right, I can drive this thing home because like, I'm Pearl and I've been the tech one all along. But the ship is, its orbit is decaying as plunging back to Earth. In the panic, Peridot escape pod bubbles out of there and continuing the way the hand thing works, it, the escape is it flicking her pod into the atmosphere somewhere. Garnet's like, brace yourself, no time to go for Lapis. We're all going to crash. And they do. They crash right back next to exactly where they left. So mm-hmm. even I was there in a stationary orbit, or that's very lucky. Mm-hmm. And 
Stephen has protected everyone in his bubble from the crash. There's some back and forth about, oh, you met Ruby and Sapphire. We're going to wait till your birthday to tell you. (laughs) And turns out that Jasper has also survived the the crash and is ready for round three. She's all, right, you only beat me because you're a fusion. She's already said that fusion is just a way to make weak gems stronger and it's a bad thing. But now she's all, oh, if I had someone to fuse with, I'd totally kick your butt. At which point she discovers that Lapis has also survived the crash, stops her getting away and says, fuse with me and we can totally give payback to all these people. And like Lapis don't, but Lapis thinks about it at a moment and with this empty, dead look on her face, acquiesces to the fusion. She fuses with Jasper and this is a big fusion, a huge multi-eyed, multi-armed creature who the credits call Malachite, bright green, and she has retained Lapis water manipulating power. And just as she tries to use it on our heroes, the arm she conjures up turns into chains and shackles. And we hear the voices within the fusion separate, even though the body doesn't, that it's Lapis who is basically sick of all this and is despite Jasper's resistance, controlling the fusion enough and controlling her water powers enough to drag them both fused beneath the ocean in water chains. They disappear into the deep and Garnet reflects that those two are really bad for each other. And just as we're about to end, Connie calls Stephen back and after the answer phone message and asks, is he all right? What's going on? And we're out. Wow. Okay, I think I got it all, but this is definitely one that if you've been patching through, just listening to our summaries, I would say definitely go back and watch this one and its predecessor if you haven't actually been watching them, because most of this is definitely in the execution. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I was very, I was perfectly transfixed by your recital of this, but I'm picturing all of this, so... I find it really riveting to watch. So it's very, just like the predecessor, it's really fast paced. Like it doesn't let you rest. And it's another case of, was that only 11 and a half minutes? So much happened. I can't believe how much happened. I mean, and they even had time for a full length song in there. The longest song we've had so far. And well, I'm, I'm going to plant my flag. My favorite song so far. Doesn't have a lot of competition, does it? <laughs> I mean, the title song, pretty cool, but this one. Yeah, yeah. it slaps. <laughs> it really, I think because, this is why this show got super popular after this aired, because people were coming across this song on YouTube, just mm. in isolation and saying, what the hell is this show? And even if you don't know what any of her lyrics mean, I mean, you can hear this and have no idea what she's talking about and still be like, this is a great song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And all the better in context, though. Yes, I agree. I'm still surprised how many people got into Steven Universe by hearing how cool this song was and then wanting to check it out and saying like, oh, that was a pretty cool battle and stuff. And then they still don't pick up like all of the philosophy of Garnet saying why she is a relationship and how she is that makes her stronger and better than everybody <laughs> yeah well i didn't explore that much in the summary but the yeah. the base the base reasons for garnet being garnet are definitely in there in the song yeah which 
effectively expresses that Ruby and Sapphire are in love, they're lovers, and they're so in love that they've gone beyond spending all their time together. They're spending all their time together. And yeah. as Garnet says, she is a relationship. She is the embodiment of the feelings between the two. Yeah. She's not just the two of them smushed together somehow. She's like life given to their love. Hmm. It's really interesting. Yeah. More than just the sum of her parts in this case. Right. And I mean, we've seen that the other fusions that we've seen in the show are not just mashups. They do have their own opinions. But when you know that Garnet lives as the primary entity, she's not planning to separate. She just lives that way. That's a different thing. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, we've got that whole how much have we seen of any of them so far, but she mm-hmm. is obviously, well, she's definitely obviously far more stable than any of the fusions we've seen otherwise. Right. Both psychologically and physically i mean mm-hmm. she had to be deliberately deliberately separated to separate her she didn't just get hit really hard as happened to sugalite and in fact by definition she got hit as hard as sugalite mm-hmm. and, sure. and in fact at that point she still only separated into garnet not into ruby and sapphire yep that was interesting that even in the midst of whatever that was didn't it didn't separate garnet it separated her from amethyst (laughs) so her fusion her union the the relationship between ruby and sapphire is obviously that strong that it can they can remain together passively if you will although you did you did pick up on the weird silhouette when alexandrite was falling apart in fusion cuisine Uh, so i think that was towards the start of my maybe these two gems are really two gems on it thing Mm -hmm. Well, I think you've had your suspicions for quite a while. I mean, you want to walk me through kind of your evolution for understanding all of this? Well, I think somewhere, somewhere, I think it started when way back when Pearl got stabbed and got schlooped into her gem. Yeah, I think that's the first question that you asked where you're like suspecting. (laughs) Yeah, which, and to this, that ironically combined with when Amethyst got injured and didn't schloop into her, her gem though, because that was kind of the opposite, but it really laid out there, for the most part, the gem bracket person is the gem bracket stone. Mm-hmm. So that started the, okay, but Garnet's got two. It's not just, it may be, and I'd entertained, maybe it's a cosmetic thing, but, and yeah. I think I explored that last week, that maybe one's not her real gem or something, but, and I think I started to, Think along, as I mentioned at the time, so what happens if Garnet, who has two gems, gets stuck into her gem, into it, that would be two gems, so half of her would go into each, and I think that's where I start. So if you've got half a gem in a, if you've got a gem coming apart into two half gems, that's like the opposite of a fusion, ergo, moving it back forward again. Right, yeah. And there were little things, like when... This was really unexplicit, but once you've already seeded it in your mind, you can see it, like when she was so enthusiastic about Stevoni. Yes, that was a big one for a lot of people. I mean, I know it included a line, something like that, <laughs> was fusion wasn't hard or wasn't a big deal or wasn't uh, something uh, for her. Saying, like, don't worry, Stevoni, this hard even for us. And Garnet goes, not for me. <laughs> it's like, she's just standing there leaning against the counter being like, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> Also gives, moreover, her emotional reaction that 
whether or not Stephen and Connie are any kind of romance or lovers, this is still a fusion that would be born of their relationship. Right. Which, and at the core of it, we've seen now that is what Garnet, Garnet is. So yeah. having seen today, it's easy to look back and make the comparisons. So at the time, I was just like, I was a bit sort of, oh, she really loves fusions, doesn't she? And not just in a, I want to see all your new cool forms kind of way. She definitely had an emotional connection to the idea. Yeah, you were kind of like, you were making pretty explicit reactions to that saying like, this is like almost an allegory to if, like you were talking about like trans dialogues where Mm. the first time you come here as yourself and that you said Garnet was like the older trans woman, the more experienced one. Yes, yes, I did, I guess. Yes, wow. Yeah, yeah, having seen today, sort of, we can flip out trans for fusion and it maps pretty exactly. Right. But like, regardless of kind of the experience that you are putting kind of in place of the fusion, it's kind of like Garnet saw somebody who is embarking on something that she knows has defined her life and has been wonderful and wants Devani to to be an experience and enjoy themselves, you know, that she wants it to be so, she wants it to be great. And she has and, a personal that. And she called Stevani an experience, which could have almost been a missing lyric from today's song. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. She says, I'm their fury. I am their patience. I am a... Station, yeah. It was really interesting. Mm. And I guess now what those two would, would have in common, all the other fusions we've seen have been formed for a functional reason. Yes. Explicitly in Sugalite's case, we need yeah. to be big. Mm-hmm. And destroy this tower. So the idea of a fusion formed from emotional need, desire, basis, whatever, rather rather than, you know, because because I need to be able to fire laser swords or something. Right. And so you can you can see how she'd warm up to that idea. And I guess in some ways she'd have a bit of a I'm not alone moment. Yeah, I think so, especially since she spends all this time leading this team and she's the only fusion there and she is having an experience that is different from everybody else. So, you know, fundamentally that must be a really joyous thing to connect with someone else over over something like that. The whole like nature of fusion as a relationship but also in a way of her not being able to ever quite be an individual the way that others are is it is really interesting it's like a conundrum it's so cool to like explore all of the other all of the avenues of what that means and what that leads to but i like the direct description of it as fusions or living relationships yeah and as awesome as the song was it also gave us some pretty explicit explanations to how this one works that mm-hmm. as we said she garnet is her own being but that being is directly the manifestation of love and really of all the other feelings between Ruby and Sapphire. Yeah. And even though obviously there's some kind of budding preteen love between Stephen and Connie, Stevani still isn't like this really obvious romantic relationship. They're more about like adolescent discovery, I guess. Whereas Garnet is really the first time we've seen 
a relationship that is like, it's explicitly like a romantic relationship we would call a romantic relationship. And all the other ones were, like you said, functional. Yeah. And they did, they did the twirl of love for, you know, if we've watched TV enough, we know what that means. Right. It's super Disney. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also saw the Sapphire doesn't seem to have feet. <laughs> Bottom of her dress looks like a geode. Yeah. That's, that's, I guess that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. So that's all right. She doesn't have a nose either. Oh Yeah. So I guess, you know, by default, Garnet has Ruby's nose. <laughs> Certainly has Ruby's hair. <laughs> really yeah, I mean, the, there's that, definitely that boxiness. Yeah. R- Ruby's is a bit more droopy and flowy, but mm-hmm. it's definitely it's definitely there. Yeah, it's definitely the more like sort of prominent feature of Ruby that translates directly to Garnet. It is really interesting to look at how physical traits manifest in fusions because of the way that we kind of see heredity as, you know, it's the parents having a child that's combining their genes. It's so similar to that because it could just be like, oh, you got that from that one and you got that that from that one. But there are also aspects that look like a blending, like, you know, the color of Garnet's skin or don't really look like they specifically came from either one of them. They're something that's hers. Yeah, and Garnet's been Garnet so long. She's mm-hmm. certainly developed Garnet traits that are hers and just hers without being directly inherited from one of the other two. Yeah, this is a definitely wise choice if the animators and writers wanted us to see you know, Garnet as a person first and then 50-plus episodes later showing us that she has these components that are helpful in understanding her, but that we see her first. We know her first. Mm. It's very cool because that way it's tempting to kind of reverse engineer her and, and pick her apart into these pieces. But, you know, she's the character. She's the main one we've been spending all this time with. So it, it makes sense that it would be much harder to separate those into her components, especially when we spend so little time with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, her personality is, you can see the traits of the other two, but it's definitely one of her own. Right. Yeah, definitely. Like that from what we saw of Ruby, she was single minded. She was impulsive. She was angry. She was emotional. She was very like boiling over the top, whereas Sapphire seemed very calm. And she seemed to be the one with like the judgment and the thoughtfulness. Yeah. And she put it together just by looking how Stephen had Mm -hmm. got through the force field. Mm -hmm. Right. So it is really interesting that Garnet is definitely both of those extreme opposites. She, she comes across as so stoic and yet hot-headed. Mm. And I'm like, that's how she does it. <laughs> she's, she's got like sources for both of those things that can flare up as, as needed. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> I also love when she first refuses in front of Stephen and my heart leapt when he said, did I make a good impression? And she just says, oh, so we already loved you. Or yeah. something like that. And it's like, oh. That's a very tender reaction. Yes. That was a really beautiful scene, especially like she had a very complicated look on her face for a cartoon who also has three eyes. So we're not used yeah. to the expression, but there was a sort of almost guilty and worried and embarrassed and hopeful, I guess. Like all these things where she's just like feeling like, gosh, I didn't want him to be introduced to my component this way. And I didn't have a choice about how I was outed. I don't know if he'll accept me. And, you know, just, oh, oh, Garnet. <laughs> well, 
Though I did think the short ex- exchange later about, oh, we were going to tell you on your birthday was quite cute in comparison. It explains why Ruby was just like, don't look at me. Because she's just like, oh, hey, go keep the surprise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I felt like she probably avoided telling him for kind of a few reasons. I mean, one is kind of speculation for me. I just feel like she has never met any gems that don't know by looking at her that that's what she is because they see she has two gems and they know what that means. Whereas like, I mean, a lot of the reason that we couldn't figure it out given all of the information that we had is that we haven't been told the whole story. We don't don't know if you can have a half gem. We don't know if you can duplicate and have one be the fake one. You know, we don't have that information. So it's right in front of your face, but you're not being told what it is. You don't know what other options there are. In fact, my- Why Garnet had eyes. Huh? The cartoon of me on this very show has two gems just because I had no idea that you couldn't have two gems without it meaning something. Right. So your your avatar is apparently a fusion. Mm-hmm. Probably Good of job. some kind of blue gem and yellow gem. Well, but I feel like Garnet doesn't have a lot of chances to interact with people who think of her as an individual. And she was probably treasuring that Stephen just sees her as Garnet and isn't always thinking about who she might be and whether he might prefer to know them. And Stephen's, I say naive, but not in a negative way. Right. Stephen's sort of naivety about everything is that seeing her as Garnet and also seeing Sapphire and Ruby as Sapphire and Ruby isn't a problem for him. Yeah, he's not going to have a lot of internal conflict about that and go, do I even know you? And you totally lied to me. Yeah, in fact, he seemed... He seemed more to more concerned with whether the, the little gems liked him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will sidebar that it is kind of convenient for the setup that the two gems she's made of are small ones, so that she doesn't give the game away by being a five meter tall monstrosity. Right. I mean, you you did kind of make note of how she was large, but she she was a regular sized giant woman rather than a giant giant woman. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I've been noticing this show, even though the scale wobbles a bit back and forth, it kind of has levels at which they fit characters into. Like there's Stephen and Amethyst size, then there's sort of average adult size, and then there's very tall like Garnet and Rose size, and then there's huge fusion size, of course. Yeah, Jasper was bigger than Garnet, which was interesting. Yeah, and... Clearly not a fusion because she just hates their guts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and she was like, oh, I don't like fusions until, you know, she needed to become a fusion to beat up another fusion. So, yeah. so much she- for your honor system, Jess. I know, right? I also wondered kind of if there might have been an element of Garnet not telling Stephen about herself because of the Future Vision episode where she tried to she kind of reluctantly let him into her world a little bit. Like this is a reality of my existence. This is a superpower that I have. And I'm going to be honest with you and tell you about it. And then it went really badly when she shared information about herself. And so I wonder like kind of if she was worried that that would happen again, Mm. that he was going to fundamentally change how he thought about her or, or feel that she was dishonest or something. So I don't know. And there's, Apparently, at least some kind of, well, at least from Jasper, some kind of fusion stigma. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've got the shameless display from last week, and I think it's a given the rest of her remarks this week that she was basically saying, what the hell are you going around fused in public like this? So you have you no shame? Right. 
or like taking it as a threat maybe like oh the only reason you would fuse is to win a fight so you know what are you trying to prove to me so garnet may have had a little bit of that stigma left over in worrying how to tell Stephen. I think so. I mean, even if you are loud and proud about who and what you are, it's like you still had to go through that and be down yourself somewhere, yeah. in, you know? Because of, of the other people she of the other people she knows immediately, I mean, Pearl's obviously okay with it by this point anyway, and mm-hmm. maybe that's what hundreds or thousands or however long years will do for you. <laughs> Rose loves everyone and everything, so she'll be okay with it. Uh-huh. And from what we've heard of Amethyst's story, she might simply not have known any better or known any different, I should say. Right. And she, she knew that Garnet was fused, but she didn't know any of the baggage that comes with that, maybe. Because we've heard how they just basically found her leftover in the kindergarten. Yeah. It is really interesting to kind of imagine what homeworld society would be like because we've been introduced to the crystal gems and they're our standard and then we see where they're from that is not the standard yes i mean if a fusion goes out on the street at on homeworld are are they like whispers the way some people still do about mommy those two men are kissing right (laughs) yeah exactly which that leads me to an interesting point about the relationship we see with Ruby and Sapphire is that except for the references that you have to pay attention to what everybody is saying to understand that Pearl loved Rose, this is blatantly on screen. You have two same-sex characters embracing and it's not platonic and one of them is kissing the other one on the face. Yeah. And, <laughs> so what, yeah, what you're kind of left with, you're starting with Fusion... Fusion is a metaphor for gay coupling. For this, for this metaphor, we use a gay couple. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, so far the only the only gems that we've seen, besides if Stevani counts, because they're one fourth gem, they all use she her pronouns. So it's like, okay, they're not female. They're not women. They're space aliens who don't have a concept of anything else, I guess. But it's they're both. Yeah. So what they do have tilts towards what we think of as woman coded female presented feel female presenting by our mm-hmm. standards. But like if you're on a world where everyone uses that pronoun and you don't reproduce sexually and you don't have genitalia and you don't have a concept of gender, maybe, I mean, I don't know about the concept of gender, but it seems like it would have to be different for them. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, no one sat down and told us all, all gems as she, her female presenting and resemble Earth women. But if all again, we've only met seven and a handful of corruptions, mm-hmm. but yeah, they, they've all been that way. And did we at one point have someone referring to an unknown gem as she without knowing who they were? Or am I just getting mixed up? Mm, could have happened. Yeah, because that would sort of, if that did happen, and I'm not just leaking it in from another show or something, then that would underscore that we're all she hers to the point that even if I don't know who someone is I call them she her Mm -hmm. they do seem to have done that in just about every instance but I don't know a specific example that I could tell you about right now yeah and it doesn't formally exclude that there are he him gems out there somewhere but it's not looking likely for them yeah except for Steven yeah. But he is part human, so he has Earth gender ideas. Yeah. And it could be that uh, 
if it could be somewhere in the process of subjugating other cultures, some gems might pick up gender ideas from other cultures and worlds and awesome. take them on board. That's what happened in Transformers. That's why we have some transgender Transformers. Okay. Their world was, at the time, similarly assumed he, him, which is the gems are she, hers. And mm-hmm. some travellers visited worlds where they did have gender and discovered, oh, the ones who are she, hers, they're far more like I am than the ones they say he, him. So I'm going to be a she, her from him in because that fits me better. Mm-hmm. So more explicitly queer stuff on a kid's show or kid's comic in this case. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in this case, there was there was a lot of some of the reactions that fans had to that were either they were trying to say that this was not a pair of lovers or they were trying to say maybe Ruby was a boy. These are things that are not impossible, but really doesn't go with what's shown us on screen. Yeah, I mean, especially when you have all these heteronormative people who are like, that boy looked at that girl, they're going to get married. You know, I mean, Mm. all that straight people have to do is look at each other. And then like, but the rest of the queer audience, which at this point is a lot of queer people are watching this show already at this point. And then you know what you saw. You don't have any trouble understanding and translating these cues that you would you would assume if it was in a Disney movie and it was a boy and a girl twirling like that and kissing each other's faces and saying, did they hurt you? And, you know, like cupping each other's cheeks like that. It's just like, I'm not going to say you would never do that with a really close friend, but they live in the same body. Good Lord. You know, <laughs> just it's hard to get more explicitly coded as romantic than that without doing stuff that is not allowed on a kid's show for any couple. <laughs> and this show, even though it has deep ideas behind it, a lot of rep, a lot of the way it indicates stuff like that is fairly on the nose tradition, traditional. So yes. these two doing the world of love and kissing, like that means they're a romantic couple because that's what romantic couples do in cartoons. Oh, absolutely. And it's nice to see that finally given to a same sex couple because mm-hmm. I mean, we in the queer community, we don't get stuff like that, even though it's been done so many times for straight people that it's it's gotten cheesy. Like, we still want ours, <laughs> you know? We'd like to see someone who looks like us doing it. Yeah. I mean, I guess at closest I could imagine reading Ruby as a boy just because of her general appearance and that boys in cartoons are often voiced by women anyway. So I could understand misreading that, but everything else... around it makes it pretty explicit. Yeah, I think considering precedent and they do have a female voice actor, they did give her a pretty gruff voice, but it was also very high. (laughs) And, you know, she, the thing is she was not given, she was not addressed using a pronoun in the, in this episode at all. So some people were saying, well, they wouldn't put, they wouldn't put the gays in this cartoon. (laughs) Have you seen this cartoon? Yeah. You know, people were there's like funny screenshots of people who are in denial that still circulate sometimes. It's just like, do you really think they would put lesbians in a cartoon? And it's like, yes, they certainly would. Here they are. (laughs) And they're stronger than you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's unfortunate that there was, there was so much pushback among certain fans who then felt like, oh, this is queer agenda being pushed. And it's like, yeah, what of it? Our our queer agenda is that we want to be on TV sometimes in sweet relationships that are filling and like fun and sweet and just seeing them reunited after a scary separation. 
I mean, there are some some questions that you might have if you think about for a while what their relationship must be like if they're literally always together and they're living as a being that is not really either of them. That's kind of a whole philosophical quandary that we can get into as we learn more. But yeah. oh my goodness, you know, it's just so nice to see this is a romantic couple and that's why they stay fused. Mm. Yeah. And on that note of what it's like to always be together, I noted Ruby had this moment of pausing, then grunting, going, oh, I can't see. Ah. Which obviously there's nothing stopping her actually seeing at that point. So yeah. I would say that she's so used to being fused with Sapphire that she reflexively went for some future vision. Yes. There were people who said, is she blind? <laughs> but that's not what she was talking about. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the interpretation I got is that she kind of forgot she can't see the future when she's not part of the fusion. I mean, because we don't know if they've been unfusing while off camera, if you have to sort of every so often just separate and shake it out a bit. But mm-hmm. I think it's safe to say that their their default state for most purposes is Garnet. Sure. So what did you what did you think when you first saw Ruby? My first thought was this is an angry little scrapper because mm-hmm. my red colouring actually makes her conveys her anger as well as her general attitude. Right. She's a little flame. And I'd noted the hair, but because it wasn't sort of a one-to-one thing, I didn't lock it in. Oh, really? Because I was just thinking the game was going to be up as soon as you saw Ruby. (laughs) I saw the gem on the palm. Yeah. And, yeah, well, she on first blush is the one that's least like Garnet. Oh, you think so? In terms of attitude. In attitude, absolutely. Yeah. But I've seen people who look at her hair and they're just like, is that Garnet? Did she get shrunk? Is that baby Garnet? (laughs) Like people think she looks like her. I, but, I didn't throw it out entirely, but the different the differences were enough to keep it from being a lock because her hair is, it's tied up, it's floppier than Garnet's, which is usually yeah. entirely static, whereas Ruby's was kind of sagging a bit and flowing back and forth. Yeah, it didn't look like a big square. And in terms of attitudes, screaming and crying and punching the wall mm-hmm. is not tradu- not what Garnet usually does, so... In that respect, she's the least like Garnet compared to Sapphire, who is speaking calmly and making little reasons and equations in her head, like when she puts together why Stephen can go through the force field. Yeah, like something she recognizes rather than something she's discovering or being confused about. Whereas like Ruby's like, oh, you put your hand through it? I must be able to do that. Ow! (laughs) That reminded me of a Star Trek meme going around where someone's put captions over someone putting their hand against a sell force field and saying, look, every time I put my hand on this, it costs CBS 42 bucks. Oh, did you, 84. Did you share that on social media? I think I just saw it. Ah, yeah. You might've seen me share it. Yeah. <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was funny. It does raise the question it does on Star Trek and in countless other science fiction series of why don't you use doors and bars, which can't be shut down? <laughs> I guess because they're shapeshifters. Yeah, I guess that's that's true too. Yeah, that's that that's a good one. I hadn't thought of that. I mean, you could make it small enough that they can't get their gem through, right? I mean, you could oh, put yeah. chicken wire. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but I guess they're I guess they're energy based, so energy will destroy them, like we saw with Garnet in the Return. So that's the scariest thing that they can't get through that, no matter how small they get or how much they punch it. Yeah, and Ruby's hand fritzed out for half a second when she tried oh, yeah. to touch it. So yeah. 
So it is really cool that Steven, basically, being organic, he can walk through walls. That's cool. Mm. Yeah. Being yeah. A, human, a huge advantage because they're not looking for that. So at first it's a bit scary because the energy pattern thing is the same as the destabilizer, but mm-hmm. obviously it's not as lethal or at least not as immediately lethal to Steven. Yeah, it seems to be making those paths through his body, but it's not its not disrupting his form because his form isn't like their forms. Mm, yeah, I don't know if it'd be good for him to stay in there too long, but that's a whole other question. It's safe! <laughs> yeah, we'd probably, he'd probably have nothing else pass out from sheer frazzling himself like that. Yeah, I'm surprised his hair wasn't like electrified or something, but I guess it's not like... Yeah, and maybe they thought that would be a hair too far in the funny bit in a dramatic episode. Yeah, there weren't quite as many funny bits, I think, as there were even in the previous episode where there was the thing about the pointing finger and don't, don't patronize me, sir, and dad'll need a new son and stuff like that. There was a few quips and stuff in the return, even though that one was fast-paced and serious too but this one didn't have a lot of room for jokes no i also have to mention one bit i liked even though it was not one of the whams of the episode was when pearl took control of the ship insofar as she could before it crashed because peridot was obviously of the you losers can't do this right and but pearl was like no i'm pearl i've been fixing cars and building machines for the past 52 episodes yeah yeah, she's the best that they have in terms of operating the machinery. So, And, and that she had a little whoa moment when she interfaced and stuff. Yeah. So I think that was a bit of her getting a load of current day gem technology for the first time. Something like that. Somebody went through and made a compilation of that scene in all the languages that Steven Universe has been translated into, just the pearl making the sound and they just wanted to hear the different voice actors do that noise and how they interpreted it and it's really funny it's just like pearl after pearl after pearl doing this (laughs) funny Mm. speaking of which there was i guess this is factoid territory which i'm not quite ready to go to but there was an episode that the French version, originally they translated the lyrics of the Stronger Than You song in a way that implied Ruby and Sapphire were friends, not lovers. Ooh. And people got really mad. And then they were like, when they looked at it, they were like, this was an honest mistake. This was not an attempt to erase their relationship. And they redubbed it, actually. Oh, that's they, pretty cool. They were like, this was just a translation error. We just yeah. screwed up. Yeah, and given... Given what I do know of French, I'm prepared to believe that. Yeah. I mean, because MF means this gets used for like as well as love. So in that field, there is certainly room to confuse that without them trying to be malicious about it. Yep. I am made of friendship. <laughs> not a bad thing in itself, but not what she's saying. Yep. Yeah. And there are a lot of great friendships in this show. As a person who is aromantic, obviously, I'm not always going to want dialogues about the importance of true love in the form of two monogamous partners in a relationship that's essentially eternal. Like, that's not just by itself going to be all that satisfying for me. But I, you know, number one, I really like the way they portrayed Garnet's relationship, but also that they don't say that it's like superior to every other kind of relationship. It's not Mm. like... It's not like the friendships in this show are being ignored. Yeah, the only person they're directly saying they're superior to is Jasper, and yeah. that's because she's a jerk. Yeah, she's. 
I mean, I did hear another asexual person say that they were offended by Garnet saying the line about, but I think you're just mad because you're single. I heard that. You know, I I get why that's sort of an offensive thing in isolation. Mm. I, I also, as an aromantic person who is just, I mean, I'm perpetually single. I don't find being single to be an insult in itself, but she's implying that that Jasper wishes that she could, you know, kick ass like a fusion, you know. <laughs> and I, I thought even if you're doing a relationship parallel, I would also, I also took it as you, Jasper, are mad because you, Jasper, are single, not yes. you are mad because you are single and that is a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely in this case. And that dialogue is not a running theme through anything. Yeah. In the- and of course, it's got the literal meaning of you're mad because you're just one gem instead of two. And as such, I am kicking your butt. Right. And she's also reacting like she's affirming herself. But Jasper just gave her this terrible speech about I've seen who, what you really are. You're these weak you know, individuals who are fusing as a cheap trick. And she's like, that's absolutely not what I am. Let me tell you what I am. Hmm, which probably ticks off Jasper all the more because she doesn't like fusions and now she's been pounded by one. Yeah. Although they did have a pretty good fight. You know, it wasn't just, oh, Garnet wiped the floor with her and it was over. They, you know, she got punched in the face a few times. Hmm. They wiped the floor. And Garnet did eventually win by throwing her into the ship's engine core. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it, it was a beat down drag out and that they both gave as good as they got it wasn't just yeah yeah and got the only real advantage Garnet had compared to last time was a I know we're about to fight which she didn't know last time and b I've anticipated your destabilizer thing and taken it out of the equation which was significantly an unfair advantage in that kind of fight I do like that Jasper went for it first because it's consistent like she's like I just want you out of the way you know, although I think that she enjoyed the idea of beating the shit out of her, but she wasn't going to let Garnet make her do that unless she had to. And I think for Garnet's for Garnet's part, she enjoyed teaching Jasper a lesson, which was a good enough reason for her to break the destabilizer rather than try to poke Jasper with it. Yeah, uh, I thought that was great. Yeah, she might also consider it a low blow to do such a thing. But right. I think, no, I'm going to beat the crap out of you and I want you to be conscious and aware when I do it. Yeah. I mean, she had a message to give back to her. She wanted to tell her, my relationship is not what you're saying it is. Yeah. And Peridot had one too, but she Mm -hmm. just didn't get a chance to use it. Yeah. Stephen did his thing. Stephen was, again, very useful in this one. He was essential to their escape, not only, you know, because he was the one that broke out and got everybody else out, but, you know, he stopped Peridot from, from using the destabilizer and he rescued everybody when they fell from the sky. He put them all in a bubble. So yeah. he was really important in this battle. And very much showing his progress because if this had somehow happened way back at the start of season 1A, yeah. Stephen, Stephen in, while he had his moments, was often the tag along or worse, the load that could bring things down. And right. first episode, Stephen, in this situation, he, well... I don't think he'd have been as useful. But also what's important is that it felt natural for this era's Stephen that it shows that his progress from episode one to 52 was progress, not just, oh, this week he's competent. Right. Or like some kind of, in this episode, he got this power. And then in this episode, he got this power. And 
then from that point on, he is always competent with it. He just got it like like an like a card that he equips, you know, because he still struggles with it, and he still isn't always so perfect with summoning it. And that he was acting like he was struggling in the return, like that he made this big shield, and then it sort of collapsed. So yeah, well, in episode one, he literally couldn't do that. Right. Yeah, it just kind of came out of his belly button and killed his TV. <laughs> But then he pulled it out for real on purpose in episode 26. So He's getting there, our boy. Yeah, and it's going to be really fun in subsequent seasons to watch him continue to grow. But I feel like a lot of this is also sort of, you know, traumatic. He was woke up with a black eye and fell from, I see a cat. Yeah. Hey, Olive. Olive. He's joining us. Everybody is about fusion. Are you a fusion between a silver cat and a ginger cat? And that's why you look like that. She'll never tell. (laughs) (laughs) I know Zach Callison wondering if Stephen can mature a little faster because the voice hurts his throat. (laughs) I heard that was one of the reasons they wanted to do some stuff with older Stephen later, that they wanted him to be able to sing in his actual octave. (laughs) I caught him voice acting in some stuff during the week. Yeah. He does some voices in Lego DC Heroes. Oh, uh-huh. uh, And what was kind of interesting is that the first one I watched, he played two characters. He played Jimmy Olsen and Billy Batson. And each voice was kind of either side of his Stephen voice. Like he'd gone a bit in one direction to do Jimmy, a bit in the other direction to do Billy. And that if he sort of somehow combined them, he'd be sounding like Stephen. Stephen's funny. <laughs> Though in one of them, he was just doing flat out his Stephen voice. So that was easy wow. to spot. So you're like, I know that voice. I yeah. know that voice anywhere. Yeah. And that's what first made me check and realize what had happened was that at one point he sort of, even when he was supposed to be doing two different voices, he sort of slipped back and was like, was that Stephen? So anyway, I, but before when I was asking you the thing about what went, kind of what went through your mind when you saw when you saw Ruby, I was kind of surprised that because I kind of assume that at this point you're waiting for us to have a reveal for Garnet that you strongly suspect are going to show us she's a fusion. So I was kind of surprised that you weren't like looking for a red gem or a blue gem. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if that's not what your reaction was to seeing Ruby. So I was just, when I watched you watching it, I was like, she knows who that is. And now you're saying that you didn't really. Yeah, it was certainly on my list, but I hadn't locked it in I because I think I'm also also aware that sometimes these shows do like to trick us just one more time. Yes. So I couldn't, and this is hindsight, I couldn't rule out that we'd see Ruby with the puffy hair and the gem in her palm and we'd lead us to think, oh, they're saying the fusion thing, she's half of Garnet, and then Garnet would just walk up the corridor as Garnet. That'd be funny. Oh, my goodness. And then she's still a fusion, but <laughs> she's a ruby sapphire fusion. These are just so, different related ruby and sapphire. <laughs> so I was going there, but this show has kept me on my toes enough not to be completely sure of stuff until it's actually happening. I thought one really interesting way they could have hidden it a little better. They didn't necessarily have to, because, I mean, we've discussed how it's really rewarding when they plant seeds that some people will read them how they were intended and come to the conclusion that they're about to reveal, and that's good writing if some people do that. But one way they could have hidden it better if they wanted to would be if they just gave her, like, one gem that you could see on her palm and the back of her hand, and it was actually two gems and we didn't know. 
Oh. Like when it, they both had it on the same hand, but it turns out, you know, Sapphire has the right hand gem. Ruby has the left hand gem. That would have been interesting because it would have totally looked like one gem. But yeah. you can have it on the back and on the front. That would have been cool. <laughs> Nobody would have seen that coming. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'd have started theorizing so quickly. If it just looked like a gem was through her hand, I might have thought more, doesn't that hurt? Right. Or like maybe some thoughts on why is the facet pattern different on this side versus this side. But mm. I thought that would be neat. Because yeah. it's color my- when diffusion, so... One thing they do that I'm wondering if this was all part of how do we keep this quiet is that whenever there is a fusion, the gem colors tend to adopt the fusion colors and end up pretty much the same. So I think the opposite of what you're saying, if they didn't do that and Garnet was always wandering around if one blue and one red gem, then that would lead more people to the interfusion thing. Right. It was confusing to a lot of people saying like, why does she have two sort of dark red gems, but she's using the temple door opening this red and blue. And it kind of, I mean, you picked up on that very, very quickly and pretty thoroughly. And then there was, but one of them being red makes you think there's more to the story. And it's not always going to be like, oh, that's not exactly the same color red. So it's just like, Wait, he's got the red gem, so what's the blue one? (laughs) Yeah, so everything my guesses and speculation came from, pretty much all of it could have an alternate explanation and just have them messing with us all along. But I was sitting here thinking that you had it all figured out and you were just watching it and waiting for it, which is why I was surprised when Sapphire addressed Stephen by his name and you said, what? (laughs) Like that, like that surprise, you know, I was like, Daria's surprised. Well, she won't be for much longer. <laughs> and Sapphire calling Stephen Stephen was fuel for the fire, but not a lock. Yeah. But when she formed and. Oh, yeah. When it, yeah. Stephen, there was probably a, a kind of like, yeah, I knew it kind of reaction. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I've known writers who are clever enough to to lay trails for just the sort of to mislead just the sort of guessing that is. Yeah. So but. There's a, a bit of that, and so it's like, yeah, I suppose it comes down to every such moment was a, oh, could be internally, but not right. a, that nails it. Right. Like, it wasn't just like, okay, and here's the next breadcrumb, and here's, I'm expecting this one to be next. Oh, yeah. I mean, there were a few things that I've gone back and read some of the conversations, because there are a few reveals in this show, and this is obviously a pretty big one, and one of the most significant ones, because it brought people in, like, I want to see this show. But there was any time there was any fuel for the fire on either side, there were like arguments on these message boards, like the garnet is a fusion theory versus the garnet can't be a fusion theory. Mm. And when people were observing things like, how do you explain that silhouette when Alexandra is unfusing? Why does she look so weird? Other people are saying it's just like a smear frame of animation. Why, you know, why does everything have to mean something? And then there's little little drip drops of things like some people say it was it was foreshadowing that amethyst made this comment like when she was saying pearl got garneted and stuff she said like shut down by the g squad <laughs> like oh she called her the g squad she's a squad by herself so clever like, clever yeah, it's possible but the, another big one of course is she's playing a fusion instrument she's playing a guitar <laughs> That's good. I like that one. But then other people were saying, well, she doesn't behave like a typical fusion because, you know, she does have an extra eye, but we don't know how many eyes some gems might have. So 
she doesn't have extra arms and all the fusions except for Stevani had extra arms. And sometimes, yeah, and my speculation was definitely piece by piece rather than one static thought that was confirmed by each mm-hmm. added thing. Right, right. So, so I was working on, I think she might be, not I definitely have decided she is. Right, and I'm gathering evidence for my position. Mm, because early on, yeah, I mean, one blatant counter theory early on would have been when we'd first seen Opal can't stay together for more than a few minutes without just plunk. Right. And if you took as read that that's what fusions are, then the idea of someone who's fusing for hours on end just doesn't make sense. Right. And when you get introduced to Sugalite, Pearl seems frightened that she's stayed together too long and says you're losing yourselves. Like, that's Mm. bad. Yeah, and that definitely gives us the most important piece, which is that fusions aren't all of a type. Mm -hmm. Some are huge powerhouses. Some are actually fairly small. Some are stable. Some crack apart at the moment's notice. Some, well, we even saw with the other fusion today that the minds didn't even fuse all the way. Yeah, their voices were still separated. And I think that's the first time we've seen that you can fuse in bad faith, as it were. Yeah, I mean, Lapis consented, but she didn't have a synthesized vision with Gar- with Jasper. Mm-hmm. That was really interesting. But I want to talk about that in a second, because I want to just not forget to say one more piece of fusion, anti-fusion fuel for the fire was that Garnet's weapon situation was weird. She doesn't fuse weapons. You know, she doesn't bring out two weapons and fuse them together like every yeah. other. So people were like, well, this can't happen because she just summons her weapon. And Yeah, I mean, technically it's a two-piece weapon, but yeah. yeah. She doesn't put it together the way Opal pulls out a whip and a spear, mm. makes it a bow, or Sue, like, puts the gloves together and puts a whip on it. And it becomes yeah. a weapon. And we've seen that they can produce two of their nominated weapon at a time without any to-do, so... In fact, that, yeah, you're right. That would have been a tick in the anti-fusion com- column because apart from being a left glove and a right glove, they're basically the same thing. Yeah, that was a big one. And the, of course, the fact that she wasn't super huge. Mm. But yeah, the, the arguments were really, they were really weird because people were angry about it. They were like, this would ruin Garnet's character if it turns out that she's two other people. But I guess also because they were assuming that there was some nefarious reason why they were stuck together, like that one of them had taken over or that it was a Sugalite situation. And if they were separated, they wouldn't want to get back together and live like that something bad was going on or one of them was injured and the other one wanted to, needed to hold her together or something or was trapping the one. Yeah. The injury one just wandered through my mind during this episode, but not based on anything, just reasons for fusing and my brain was making up more of them, but there was no basis for it in the episode. A really early uh, idea that the crew had would be, maybe that would be part of what happened with Garnet, but they abandoned it a long time ago. They were like, yeah, they're just in love. Mm. And almost nobody really talked about that. Nobody guessed, well, they're just a romantic couple that always want to be together. So the crew was really excited that lots of people Mm. guessed it might be a fusion, but nobody really seemed to guess why she would want to be fused all the time. Because that's always going to be part of, like, why would they want to be together? Yeah. Why would they just live like that? Yeah. And whenever you have a pet fan theory, sometimes it comes out and sometimes it doesn't. It just so happens that this one made it through. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And I do appreciate that it was something sweet and consensual. And you don't ever get the feeling like Ruby and Sapphire had any doubt that they wanted to go back to being Garnet. Yeah, it wasn't like they were, wasn't like a sentence or something. There's another idea. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Ruby seemed concerned about Sapphire being alone. It's like, oh, she's all alone. I need to find her. So yeah. that was we're just desperate to see each other again. Yeah, I don't know if there was additional weight to that or if that was just my love is alone and she'll be sad. Mm-hmm. Right. Ruby seemed to be more demonstrative with her suffering. She was screaming and shaking and running around. She, I don't have time for this and all that. Well, yeah, if you're going to if you're going to work on your counter fusion theory, like in the middle of this episode or something, <laughs> Ruby's personality would certainly be fodder for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's she's very, very impulsive and single-minded, which translates in Garnet very weirdly, just because she seems like she would be almost the opposite of that, but she does have an impulsive side and she does have a moment, she does have some moments where she's like, well, we destroyed it, that's all that matters, you know, <laughs> just punch first, ask questions later. So it's a conundrum, it's kind of a dichotomy, which works for her very well. And I've just remembered in in another show where there was a fan theory and a character voiced it on screen and the character in question just stared at her and said, you watch too much television. <gasps> oh, my goodness. <laughs> my mind is the internet. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Oh, hmm. So let's see. What else did I want to say about? Oh, you know what? We were going to talk about Malachite. You noticed that she's named Malachite in the credits yeah it stood out because of the weird way it's double credited right i that's part of the reason i wanted to make sure you had the credits because they did not say her name in the credits but there was also the song playing Mm. to the closing music that for the first time had lyrics yeah that i definitely noticed as well and swayed along a bit so of course malachite's voice is just kimberly brooks and jennifer paz talking at the same time which is very it's never been done before with a fusion Mm. it's kind of sad yeah and yeah they seem to be their minds seem to be completely independent and just sort of each got successive control of malachite's body before lapis basically did a don't underestimate me and drag them into the ocean yeah i mean it's pretty horrific i mean you see jasper trying to escape and like the face trying to come apart and lapis won't let her go it's so gruesome just because i mean you don't necessarily want to go too deep into conversations about this on a kid's show but i mean this is a blatant violation of bodily consent that's very disturbing Mm. and especially since up until this point at least most people were solidly on lapis's side of this but then she lost her mind and said this is the last straw this is another person trying to manipulate me I'm going to have my own prisoner and take everything out on her. I'm just going to drag her into sea and trap her and just keep her there. Yeah, well, also this effectively makes Lapis a prisoner all all over again. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a bit of a, if it's my lot of life to be in a cell or in a mirror or in prison somehow, then at least I'm going to make sure I'm taking someone with me. Right. And at least she gets this sense of control. But that's like straight up. A, you know, a terrifying abuse of power. And it's very interesting that the person that she's doing it to is Jasper because she is like the brutish character up to this point. She was the bruiser, as you called her. And now she's the victim. I mean, 
you know, not cut and dried like that, but she's the one that manipulated Lapis into consenting. And now she's in this situation that she can't get out of. Yes, it's not entirely black and white, of course, because Lapis is also doing this to protect her friends, or at least the closest thing she has to friends. I mean, nobody asked her to sacrifice herself, but yes, that's what she chose to do. So, yeah, there's many a debate to be had there about consent and bodily consent and extenuating circumstances and all that sort of thing. Yeah, but, you know, don't worry. I'm sure we'll never see them again. (laughs) They're just in the ocean. (laughs) Don't think about them. They'll just unfuse at the bottom of the ocean and just be stuck with cartoon fish going past. (laughs) I mean, that's super creepy to think, like, now she's out there somewhere. This monster fusion, this sea monster torture fusion is out there. Mm. I mean, I'm guessing Lapis's plan, such as it is, is essentially to keep her chained up. Yeah. And I mean, at this point, she's probably got a shit ton of patience. (laughs) Mm. She's like, I can wait. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know that I agree with Lapis, but I can understand how she got to this place, that's for sure. Yeah, she definitely kind of snapped. And Jasper seems to be an opportunist about these things. I mean, like you said, she was against fusion and thought it was a cheap trick. She's cheating. But then as soon as she sees that she won't win unless she does it, she looks for a fusion partner. So she's trying to get Lapis to fuse with her using this manipulative tactic like embrace your rage these are the people that are responsible for trapping you even though the most recent person to put her in a cage was homeworld so you know she probably wasn't buying that entirely she probably heard jasper and thought you jerk i know what you're doing yeah so jasper's coming from a place of coercion too so Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that she still seemed to have to get her consent and get her to dance with her, but then Lapis could choose to not respect, like, ongoing consent. So that's, I mean, like, as soon as they disappear into the ocean and Garnet's first reaction is, yikes, I'm like, yes, she is She is all of us. <laughs> they are really yeah. bad at each other, says, says the love fusion. <laughs> yeah, well, she, I guess she's basically just seen the birth of a hate fusion. Yeah, that's probably kind of disturbing for her to watch also. Yeah, so now that she's gone again, that yikes was probably a depth of dis- a depth howl of despair. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Malachi was scary looking and clearly very powerful, but I wonder what the Crystal Gems would have done if Lapis hadn't betrayed herself and Jasper like that because it looked like they were just cowering, like that they weren't going to do anything. Yeah, they've, they might not have had it together enough to refuse themselves or, and yeah, they have, they have just been through a lot. They might not be entirely up to snuff at this point. Yeah, they definitely all look a little scuffed up from, I guess, mainly from the fall. It looked, it looked like Garnet's glasses were cracked or something. And Stephen definitely had his eye all swolled up. Yeah, well, I noticed Garnet got all scuffed and messed up during the fight, so. Oh yeah, that's right. Her visor was cracked by Jasper. Yeah, that's it. I did like when she first recreated it. Yeah. Oh, it was badass. <laughs> she, she just starts laughing when Jasper says, I've seen what you really are. She's like, no, you haven't. <laughs> yeah. At first I thought, oh, is, has she reformed without the visor so she can give emotional looks to Stephen at this key moment? But it's like, no, it's so she can smack it on later and look really badass. Uh, it is interesting that she generates that it's it's not already on her when she forms yeah well it's the only part of clothing we've seen come off before so maybe 
maybe I don't know why it would be the case because who knows what happens while you're retracted into your gems or components or whatever, but maybe it doesn't generate as default and she has to like add it. Yeah, maybe it's stylistic. Yeah, well, it certainly worked in the fight because that was the last bit we needed for a complete garnet for yes. the rec- and that was the way of saying I am absolutely garnet back together and I'm going to take you down and I've got everything about me that is garnet, including my visor. Yeah, which is reflecting a little differently at this point. And originally it was kind of this pale pink and darker pink kind of sheen to it, and now it looks pink and blue. Cool, you know, because now we know what that means. Yeah, I noticed a few changes to her outfit when she reformed her her shoulder things are pointier now yeah they're not cubic her hair is actually a little smaller yeah it's hard to say if garnet's hair because i have seen scenes where it's jumps from small and huge from shot to shot so yes that is a thing (laughs) yeah her outfit is still asymmetrical on the top but her pants are split evenly down the center with one blue leg and one maroon leg so of kind of being off center with one black leg and one red leg. And the star shirt is largely the same with a few stylizations, I think. Yeah, that's right. My phone case is a garnet breastplate. Ah, cool. Yeah, because I am a garnet fan. And like being, weirdly enough, my reason for having garnet be my favorite has nothing to do with her being a really awesome fusion. It's other stuff, but Mm. that's a bonus. But being that I like her a lot, I have spent a lot of time kind of analyzing stuff that she does and says. And that's that scene where she's being really emotionally honest with Steven, where you can see her eyes. It is like you were saying, it's really, you're wondering if there's something intentional with that you know with the eyes and everything and now we can see the colors a little better because we've seen her twice with the visor off before that and once it was in arcade mania and her eyes were really dilated although you could still see it in the close-up you could see the colors yeah i think i mentioned that at the time and just went oh she has heterochromia without even going near the fusion thing so yeah you did you mentioned it and the other time it was in the dark so you really couldn't see it very well at all but that was when she took her shades off in future vision in the rain in the nighttime. But in this light, like you could absolutely see there are three different colors. She's got a red eye, a blue eye, and a purple eye. So had you seen her fusion this coming or does that not fit with the way you watched it the first time? My introduction to the series was the spoiler about Garden. Ah, right. So, Which yeah. is why I'm always curious how other people think through it because I, and now I guess I can tell the stories that I was, I was exposed to it through conversations contrasting Steven Universe with Legend of Korra and how they handle queer representation. And they were kind of implying that Steven Universe did it better. But then someone was doing one of the arguments, which I mentioned to you, that they said they didn't think this was queer rep, that either Ruby was a boy or that was platonic. And I think in the first conversation I saw, they were claiming that they were not lovers and they were just very close friends and they lived together in the same body, but it doesn't mean they're romantic or whatever. And someone posted the whole scene of them like kissing on the face and, you know, Sapphire kissing tears off of Ruby's face and then them laughing and dancing and fusing into Garnet. And that was the first time I saw it. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. Okay. All right. I have no context for this, but that's not platonic. Yeah, and I think there's, oh, they're about explicit as they can be given, A, it's not the point of the show overall, and B, it's a kid's show. Right. And I mean, we've seen a more 
explicit kiss between Lars and Sadie, but not much more explicit. It was still kiss on the face. It wasn't a kiss on the lips, but yes, and I guess that not being on the lips didn't. I didn't think of that this time because I thought it was just all so we're just so excited. I'm just going to kiss the nearest part to my mouth. Oh yeah, and. I guess also like they were, the dialogue that they were having is, did you, did they hurt you? No, I'm all right. Did they hurt you? And then Ruby says, who cares? But then Sapphire's response is to kiss her tears away, which was really sweet. Mm. Although yeah. that's sad that Ruby feels like, no, who cares if she's hurt? Like, and, she, and Sapphire's like, I do. And then she kisses her. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, the the kind of the look on Garnet's face in that scene, I discussed that earlier, but then that when she faces Jasper, you can see her expression, her like kind of sullen, angry, righteous look on her face before she puts the mask back on. She's like, you don't get to see this honesty. You know what I mean? And it's like probably a, a little much that I've read into it because I've analyzed the crap out of Garnet scenes, but that's how I interpreted that is that, she did the badass thing with the visor, but now she's hiding her face again. And I think by that point, she was also getting a bit of a, oh, this is going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they did talk about while writing the song how to get the vibe that she knew she was going to win. She knew that she could not be defeated in this and she would not be. Yeah, there was a lot of, it felt like earned confidence, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess what we've also learned is that you shouldn't battle somebody while they're singing. Yeah. No. What are you thinking, Jess? Yeah, pretty much. It was cool to have this as Garnet's first solo song. Yeah. It's nice that she finally sang. Yeah, I guess there's a hey. bit of also, let's keep the R&B, the big R&B star in reserve for our season finale. Uh-huh. Right. And I give a, a rap opening for Estelle and then she sings. Yeah, because I got a bit of the... Oh, you've been waiting. She's Estelle and you've been waiting for her to sing from that moment. Oh, yeah. And I mean, she's chimed in into the theme song and she's chimed in in Stephen and the Stevens, but, you know, she hasn't had a, a Garnet song. And this is like, this is beyond what you could have hoped for from a Garnet song. It's amazing. So, but while she was singing and fighting, ostensibly Stephen was watching it on a view screen, which is how we got this perspective, even though somewhere else so that's their little cheat to get around it <laughs> yeah yeah i've yeah i don't sweat as much about the stevens technically not in this scene mm-hmm. thing yeah because a they usually have something like you just said and b i'm sure that if they needed to bend it for dramatic reasons they'd find a way oh sure yeah there was like one little scene where he was involved with something and he's, you see him glancing over to see this view screen where you can see the shapes of them fighting and he's like concerned look on his face. So that's like, that was their little cheat where they were showing us mm. that he's observing this. He just doesn't have this view, but we have this view. <laughs> yeah. And it probably would have taken the edge off if he'd just been standing in the room or something. Yeah. Yeah. It just didn't make sense for the, you know, this was his battle. Yeah. Steven, it was... Well, I was going to say one-on-one, but one-on-two, as the song indeed told us. <laughs> yes, just me and you, one-on-two. That's, that's great. So many references to her being a few dinner in that song. Hmm. And we got to see that Jasper has a spin dash. Oh, who what? Jasper has a spin dash that she turned into a, a spinny thing and fireballed or something. Oh, right. Okay. Yep. I didn't know that's what it was called. I'm not sure where that comes from, but it might be like a Sonic the Hedgehog thing or something. I don't know for sure. Yeah. Well, given that my name for it is the doing the Sonic the Hedgehog thing, that's probably it. 
okay. Mostly when I see other people use like slang for things or shortcuts or phrases or something, I assume it's from something that I did not see. So that's probably the case in this. I knew what a fastball special was for years before I knew it came from X-Men. Oh, a lot of that. That's your over your amazing familiarity with all of the TV tropes. <laughs> oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, oh. A little bit exhausted and tired after that. Well, you guys have a lot of adrenaline in that episode. Yeah. yeah. One thing I was nervous about speaking of adrenaline was whether when I first saw the episode and then again, when you're watching it, even if you know what's going to happen, Ruby was yelling her head off trying to find Sapphire. Like she's just yelling, Sapphire! Like, aren't you worried you're going to get caught? Right? Like you're running around free in the ship and you just don't care? (laughs) I think it's less doesn't care per se as doesn't think because she's just dived straight into, where is my lover, my gem friend, my wife, whatever she is. And because she hasn't paused at all, she hasn't locked into, oh, someone might catch me if I do this. I mean, she certainly wasn't, she certainly wasn't stopping to listen to Stephen say things like, oh, here's a way to do this, which might advantage us and help us get the result we want because she was just. Oh yeah. Mm. So I'm just going to say that's, that's Ruby. That's what she does. Here's that way. She's definitely a little hothead. It's just a angry little ball you know Um, which means it probably fits with what we've seen of their personalities thus far even though it was governed by circumstance that it was ruby who ran all about the ship looking for sapphire while sapphire stayed in one place and ruby found ruby came to her yeah and she created a signal she she sang Mm. so that he found yeah but exhibiting their their fire versus, sorry, Ruby's fire versus Sapphire's patience. Uh-huh, yeah. And also Sapphire probably being able to slow down and think rationally enough, even if she weren't in a cell, she might be able to think, oh, if we're both wandering around all over the place, we could just miss each other if one of us stays in one place. Mm-hmm. was interesting to see when she, when Stephen did let her out, she grabbed his hand and ran really fast. <laughs> She's fast, the speedy little gem yeah maybe little wheels come out from under that dress (laughs) maybe also it's interesting that when they were running around looking for her they first come to lapis and it's sort of like ruby is she's like i see blue oh it's you she's like really disappointed and pissed off and adding to the reasons for lapis to feel bad about her day yeah that was that was a really like depressing conversation they had through that wall. That's, you know, that's why we can't fight them. That's why we have to fight them. Oh. Yeah. My other big takeaway, take apart from finally hanging over the, am I on track with this fusion thing is my other big takeaway from this episode was the universe hates Lapis. And I just want to give her a hug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's legit. It's, it's also confirmation that like, she's not just there under duress she's she's not been convinced she's a prisoner they put her in a cell and she probably didn't resist it very hard because she's probably just yeah what's the point fetus at this point she's probably just thinking maybe if i just sit still long enough i'll just calcify <laughs> yeah maybe oh that's pretty it's pretty depressing her whole worldview it's it's learned but yeah. yeah and i briefly wondered oh maybe they will 
save Lapis and she can be like the new to things character for this season. Oh, no, no, she's in prison under the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, she's stuck in a hate fusion. So let's see what happens to her. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting, like for lack of a better word, filming when they would switch back and forth to show Lapis on her side and she'd be blue. But then if you watched her from Steven's view through the yellow, she was like this weird color. So, oh, actually the whole thing was like, you could finally kind of see the colors a little better inside the ship than you could on the beach. That was all in that green eerie thing. You could see that you could see Jasper is like bright orange. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the creators just thought it would be annoying to bathe everyone in green for the, you want us to think poor Lapis and oh, wow, Garnet's a fusion. Not, they're all green. <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> And maybe they also wanted to, they also anticipated someone asking, wait, if that one's called Ruby, why is she green? Right. Yeah. <laughs> She's definitely very, very red. Well, yeah, that was another one of the things that caught my eye, that she was angry and she was red. So it all goes together. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to have a new, a new half-baked theory to bubble away now that the fusion things finally be confirmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what it is yet, but yeah, as you said, I'd been sort of building with and picking things up and putting stuff down on the fusion question for, for so long that for a while I'd even forgotten I'd done it. Uh-huh. And now whichever bits were right and wrong, it's happened right there on the screen. So there's only so much more I can speculate about whether it's so or not. Yeah. Well, definitely at this point, a lot of people want to know more about Ruby and Sapphire, but you also don't want to feel like oh that means i want garnet to split up like mm. oh, garnet, you're glad that she's back together but how are we going to learn about them if they don't split up because i mean now everybody wants to know about this legendary relationship right yeah i guess we might learn some more if things calm down for a bit and we get a, some breathing space yeah mm. the, the ballad of sapphire and ruby or something <sighs> oh i definitely buy tickets to that mm. <laughs> I thought it was sweet that Stephen greeted Sapphire with a, hi, I like your song. Are you Sapphire? <laughs> as long as she sings in the ballad, that would be great. She had a very pretty voice. Yeah. What, what are the components, voice actors? I can tell you that. The Ruby is done by Charlene Yee and Sapphire is Erica Luttrell. Charlene Yee sounds familiar. Maybe she's done something else I've watched. She's done a crap ton of voice acting lately, but this was her first voice actor job. So, or at least she said so in a letter to Rebecca Sugar, but she is on We Bear Bear. I've heard of that. Yeah. She is also an actor, so she's been live action, a bunch of stuff. She was a pretty major character on one one of the, one or two seasons of House MD. She was a doctor. Oh, okay. Oh, I've got all of House MD, so maybe I need to rewatch and see if I pick up on it. Yeah. In fact, she, I'm, li- I'm literally looking directly at my eight seasons of DVDs right now. She was she was good in that. I liked her. I've seen all of House. Yeah, but Char- Charlene, I think, is... she. I mean, she also does a lot of, like, stand-up comedy, I guess, and she's got this awkward form of humor, and it's just, oh, gosh, she's just hilarious, and she's unmistakable. So funny. She actually has the, this bit that she does when she's on Conan or something where she told the story about going to, oh, where did she go? Now I don't remember where she went, but it was somewhere where she got mistaken for a boy in the restroom. And like they kept telling her like, no, gentlemen, go over there. And she's just like, but 
I'm not a gentleman. And then some woman tries to uh, tries to say, well, it's just your face looks like a boy and your body looks like a boy. <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> why? You know, and people use that to dub over like s- drawings that people did of Ruby because people were having that argument. Is she a boy? <laughs> it was really funny. So it's like, whatever. <laughs> like it helps to be like, yeah, but like your face and your body. <laughs> Dig up. Huh? Dig up. Yeah. So what was it? But yeah, she plays guitar and sings adorably and it's just cute. Mm, sounds like quite the talented woman. Yeah. I don't know as much about Erica, but I've heard her sing a few other things, but it was all like, sort of homemade covers of Disney songs and stuff like that. She certainly has a nice voice. And I think she was kind of directed to like, she always had to make her voice like calmer and less expressive because Sapphire is very, very calm. Yeah. Well, from what we've seen of her, that's, that's Sapphire's bag. All right. Mm. Yeah. So it must be a hard balancing act to express genuine sounding emotion without sounding flat but also sounding very calm and collected well yeah i mean it would be so easy to have her just sounding like ray from evangelion and just dead everything yeah yeah you don't want to see that in a love relationship that's Mm. supposed to fairy tale <laughs> yeah i mean i guess it would occasionally be amusing that sapphire i found you hello <laughs> yes you have found me let's fuse <laughs> sometimes garnet comes across like that though doesn't she <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> oh oh the g squad <laughs> so i liked sapphire singing but jasper did not i love that line stop singing and punches the wall <laughs> really funny <laughs> what Jasper just doesn't like singing in general. I think one of the things that made her lose that fight was that she was also just distracted and annoyed by Garnet singing. Yeah. And she's probably thinking, oh, she sings when she's small and she sings when she's big and ah. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Sapphire's really, like character design-wise, she's very fancy. She's got this like fluffy dress and the gloves and like like a little princess. She's really... Very demure. And with a huge fringe. <laughs> yeah. How does she see? Well, <laughs> she, she trains her future vision into like just a couple, a fraction of a second ahead so she can walk without running into things. Who needs vision? <laughs> Meanwhile, like Ruby is walking around with her eyes perfectly in view and she's like, I can't see. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Well, Ruby Solo doesn't strike me as a thinker. No, she's a feeler. You know what's interesting is Rebecca Sugar says that the character in the show who is the most direct self-insert is Ruby. Oh, interesting. It's very interesting. And her partner, Ian, is Sapphire. Oh, yes. so interesting. Yeah. So they've talked about how Garnet is kind of their perception of what they had to do to run the show together. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of history with that. How They kind of had to internally deal with whatever was going on with their relationship but always be this leader that carried everything so because even though it's rebecca sugar's show ian helped with a lot of it and he was a producer on a lot of it and yeah, of course yeah. mentally came up with a lot of stuff with her yeah in your factoids and behind the scenes stories he's basically the name seems to pop up the second most 
after mixed sugars. Yes, yeah, Ian Jones Cordy is very involved and always has been, even though he had to kind of be separated from the show when he got his own show, but he was still very involved. There's actually a character on his show that looks a lot like a little Ruby. <laughs> very similar. They have fan art of like Ruby and KO from OKKO, OK like giving like a fist bump to each other. They're very similar. <laughs> like little hairband thing around their heads, stuff, both little and spirited. <laughs> they could put Ruby and Sapphire cake toppers on a wedding cake. You sure could. I know that people have. Ha! Awesome. Yeah. I've even seen like people dressed up as the characters proposing to each other in videos and stuff. <laughs> I mean, you can't not be just really caught up in that, I guess. You know, and like I said, like there are always going to be arguments about do we really need more like sort of fetishization of one true love dialogues? But in queer media, we never really get to have that. We don't get sweet celebrated love you know it's always something tragic yeah yeah and both our quote-unquote gays survived the episode that used to never happen yes yeah yeah nobody's buried they got they got dropped from a spaceship from space but they were fine (laughs) in fact everyone came out of that one that spaceship crap surprisingly okay yeah although we don't know what happened to paradox oh but Presumably she's at least kind of okay if she's got a little escape pod thing. Yep. Unless she landed right next to Malachite. Yeah, that would not be good for her. I know they're both sort of greenish, but I don't think they'd get along. Though I have a feeling just knowing how the show's gone so far that despite everything, she's probably within a few kilometers of Beach City. (laughs) Rather than having the whole plan to pick from and... You know, like... (laughs) She's come down in Borneo or something. One of the jokes that overran the fandom at this time was i guess because of where it looked like it was heading it looked like peridot was heading for canada and there were like all these canadian peridot jokes they're like drawing her going there and (laughs) making a new home in canada (laughs) it's very funny what people latch on to she's one of those gems that's learned how to eat she can find out about poutine yes i think so I think this would be a good this would be a good ending for Peridot and then we never hear from her again. She just became, became very nice, like Steven said in the return. Maybe Peridot will get here and see how nice everyone is and not want to hurt anyone. Well, if she goes to Canada, I don't know about the United States, because we're a bunch of jerks here. But <laughs> she packs in her idea of scorching the earth after she discovers maple syrup. <laughs> I'd be down to see I'd see that episode, even if it was just that. <laughs> Yep, yep. So what else should we talk about in this? Covered a lot of stuff. And this is the episode to ramble, so (laughs) everybody wants to hear this one. What else? Oh, speaking of post-battle, like, I really like that when they landed and they're in this bubble and it disappears and Garnet says, Stephen, nice one. And he goes, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're a fusion all the time. Like, that's what he's thinking about. (laughs) That was funny. And I still love the tone at which sort of Pearl says, oh, Garnet, your plan. Right, right. I wonder, like, it should have been obvious, I guess, to most people who know what their very long history is, but I guess they wanted to establish that, of course, the other gems knew that. Yeah, well, I think if they hadn't established that, there would have been a first question people asked, and it's, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's supposed to be a question. Yeah, 
I mean, I think also this time they anticipated what fans are like and thought, let's just nip that one in the bud. Otherwise, every time we go to a convention or a QA or anything, it's going to be do the other gems know about the fusion thing. Seems like they would have to just, I mean, they've fused with her. Mm. They know she's got two gems and what that means. Well, yeah, I mean, they know how gems work. They're not seeing there going, oh, maybe she just has a false other gem or maybe gems can split in two or something like that. They haven't just been watching for 52 weeks. They know the rules. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Yeah. We still don't know, like, if anyone else has met them. If others know outside of just the gems, we don't know, you know, who might have encountered them at other times or if there were other times in Garnet's life where she was together less or something. Yeah, I guess Greg might have, but... That was a big one that people were like, did Greg know? Mm. He doesn't know their gem rules either. Yeah, I guess it means less to him directly. I mean, not that he wouldn't care, but as she's not A, the one he was in love with, or B, one of his guardians, it's less of an impact to him personally. Right, all we've seen of their interaction was that Garnet was ready to throw him back over the fence. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Also, I guess having that conversation real quick, it works a lot better than saying stuff like, oh, well, we were going to tell you, but like if they set it up, like they had a plan for when they were going to tell him and it just wasn't his birthday yet. It's kind of nice that, okay, they weren't like actively trying to hide this from him. They were just trying to find a good time to tell him on Garnet's terms and everything. And then she didn't get to, and that's crappy. It's got to feel crappy. Yeah. And it does fit with their modus operandi of just sometimes forgetting to tell him stuff. Yeah, and he never asks follow-up questions, Mm. right? (laughs) I can't believe with this episode having so much stuff happening on the spaceship, there's like a whole separate confrontation with the Malachite thing. That's really still amazing to me that they squeezed that in. Yeah, I mean, yeah, thinking back, it almost, my brain is almost trying to split them into two episodes, even though, of course, one would be very, very short. Right, just the whole kind of complexity associated with that whole setup and resolution feels very separate from the rest. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, you could almost have, have started out on the, we were going to tell you your birthday conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then like, you know, reverse the star and there's Jasper coming out of the wreckage. Mm-hmm. But you know, you, did you, did you like how it ended? Everybody's shell shocked, staring at the seat going, that was screwed up. And then a phone call. Yeah. I like that. They brought back that because you as the viewer almost forget, oh, yeah, that was a thing. And it was really only a very short time ago in both viewer and story time. Mm. But so much has happened. It just seems like this aspect of a whole other thing. Yes. And because because she's not in Beach City, Connie may well have just missed everything about it except for Stephen's phone call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't happen in her town. So she doesn't know without being told. Mm. Yeah. I was wondering when Lapis did consent, did you think she was like up to something or did you think she was on board? Or were you just like, uh, I'm going to watch what happens? <laughs> I think I was the last because, as we said, my other big thing is how broken Lapis is. So right. I couldn't rule either out or make enough of an idea as to what might be on her mind at this time. Right. I mean, we saw she tried to fly away, which was probably her just trying to fly away from it completely. But it was even money if she was going to do a last ditch trying to save the few beings who have been nice to her or do a sort of, well, if that's my lot, then I'll throw in a few because I have no other choice. Yeah, we didn't get 
we weren't partial to her thoughts at that point, and the expression on her face was not really enough for us to know. Well, yeah, actually, that was a good bit of animation, the shot where her expression was largely hidden by the angle and her hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their dance was a little creepy. That They had this very, like, power imbalance-looking dance where they're doing a pretty sort of traditional, almost heteronormative-looking dance with Jasper in the more, like, guy role where he, mm-hmm. you know, the man would do the dip, would, would dip the woman that you know, Jasper was doing that to Lavis just dipped her and bent her over, you know, and it's almost submissive. But then that's not what that fusion is. <laughs> Lavis was in control of it. Yeah. And at first you're kind of alarmed because the only voice coming out is quite clearly Jasper. At first you're thinking, oh, is Lavis just a passenger on this because she's so despondent or something? But then mm-hmm. she's obviously just holding back or mentally positioning herself or something. Yeah. We've seen fusions talk to each other in their internal voices, their components' voices. Like, definitely with Alexandrite, we saw it, where you can tell who's talking. But hmm, I don't know that we've ever really seen anything else besides just, like, the noises they make while they're pulling apart when they're opal. Yeah, and I think this is the first time that one's been formed that didn't at least initially speak in her own voice. Yeah, she didn't have she didn't have a unique voice. It was just the two of them talking, which is so, different. Obvi- yeah, the implication was obviously that it, at first Jasper was in the driver's seat entirely, or at least was supposed to think she was. Mm-hmm. And maybe she's never fused before, and that's why she didn't pick up on why that would be strange. Yeah, it was interesting that she knew kind of how to do it and what the procedure was and everything, because she definitely strikes me as someone that wouldn't have resorted to that in the past. Like she's so prejudiced against it as a, as a technique, or seems to find it disgusting or shameless. <laughs> Maybe it's a thing soldiers have to know just in case. Maybe if you ever backed up enough into a corner that you have to fuse with one of your other soldiers to do what you got to do that. Yeah, and I mean, we did see some really ginormous weapons on that strawberry battlefield, which may have been, you know, warriors like her, except big fusion versions. Who knows? So maybe she knows how, but maybe she just doesn't think that she should be doing it because she's strong enough to beat anyone here. Oh, I don't want to rush the rest of this, so I want to take a break if you don't mind. Yeah, I'll do the same, in fact. Okay, (laughs) I'll be right back. I am the patience and conversation. No, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> Back together. <laughs> Itchy face. Now I can drink more soda. <sighs> I know you're very appropriately star decorated today. I've been wearing these earrings a lot lately and I thought, oh, I should put these back on. They're not all that comfortable, so I don't like to go around too much where they're going to blow around in the wind. But when I'm sitting in front of a computer, they're, I don't notice. <laughs> they're fun. I like stars. I've always liked stars. But now, <laughs> I've got hearts on my cup, though. But it's made of love. Uh-huh. It is. My soda is not any kind of special soda. Yeah. Just a soda. 
All right, so let's see, where were we? Yeah, all right. We just talked another round of Malachite business. Yeah, I just have my list of the descriptions of the episodes that they offer in a little notepad over here. Do, do you... If only I had known that! Let's share some factoids. Okay, well, the description is one that I said at the beginning that I thought was pretty peculiar, which is this, they quoted as Stephen teams up with a new ally to rescue the crystal gems, which is, I guess, what you'd think in the first few minutes. Yeah, I guess they're just obfuscating a bit if I consider Ruby a new ally, even though she's half of one of his old allies. Right. She definitely already loved him, so... (laughs) I think she's an ally. I think that's a little weird, but I don't know. Maybe they just wanted to throw off the audience for that little bit longer. Yeah, maybe. I wonder what other sites like have it listed as. But that's the one. That's like the main one that's attached to. I guess I can safely look at the streaming description for this one because yeah. I've already watched it and it should already be in there. Oh, oh it's actually the same one this time. Wow. See, yeah. I mean, it wasn't quite yet in the active fandom when this aired, of course. So I don't know what kind of discussions might have been going around, like, they meet a new ally. Maybe they were all, we're going to meet a new gem. Mm -hmm. And people went to their geology textbooks to guess the name of them. Yeah. It was interesting, like, gem theory-wise, because rubies and sapphires are essentially the same kind of stone, but Mm. they're not actually very similar to garnet. Well, that's the question we kept coming back to of how do these unearthly gems relate at all, if at all, to their same-named Earth counterparts, or is it just a that's-what-they-look-like thing? Yeah. You know, I know that they looked at some stuff about the gems to figure out some aspects of sometimes personality, but more often just color-wise. But Yeah, well, I mean, an, an opal and an amethyst, sorry, a pearl and an amethyst squished together do not make an opal. No, nope. You could probably find some aspects of those two that you could say are both present in an opal. I think some people have, but it just doesn't really add up. It's. I think it makes more sense story-wise to say, when they form a fusion, it is essentially a new person and it doesn't have to have, it's more powerful if it, if it is really revolutionary from the originals. So hmm, I I like that it's not derived in some obvious way, you know? Yeah. The most you know about garnets is that they're kind of purpler than rubies. So if you're going to be made of red and blue. Yeah. And rubies and sapphires are very like, well-known gems <laughs> they're both birthstones and precious stones <laughs> yeah and again they've both be, both been used as regular human names yes i guess ruby more often than sapphire but i've definitely mm. heard both yep and jasper is a name that you'd usually hear for boys true true I was, it's also where it's also the name of the town from Transformers Prime, so I keep wanting to call it Jasper, Nevada. Oh, <laughs> I see. Well, it is that sort of orangey color. <laughs> Any other exciting, exciting factoids to be going on with? Oh, yes. I have a lot of factoids about this one. Well, I already went over 
the voice actor. Storyboard team is Jeff Liu, Joe Johnston, and Rebecca. Which you may have seen her name pop up. Do you, you seem to notice that sort of thing? Yeah, well, makes sense. She'd wait in for this one. Yeah. I don't know specifically how many of the storyboards she did or redid, but I do know there was one where she had a very specific vision of what Garnet would look like when she reformed and like down and like she kept describing this like motion that she wanted where her hair would wobble like that. <laughs> heavily falls down in front of Steven and is jubilant that she's herself again. And he did it and he helped her. And I am pretty sure I remember seeing her say that she drew that scene where she whooped down (laughs) from the jubilant fusion dance. So yeah, other than that, we talked about some of the fandom stuff, which would have covered in factoidy land if we hadn't already kind of naturally wandered onto it. One other behind-the-scenes thing I heard about the Garnet Fusion stuff is that early on, a lot of their ideas were like stuff that they did much, much later. They originally wanted to introduce earlier, and one of them was planting more obvious scenes about about Garnet being Fusion, including up to like as early as Together Breakfast. They wanted to have Stephen running through the temple and like seeing Ruby briefly in the temple. Like they sometimes just are in separate rooms for Ruby and Sapphire or something and that he's just like I don't know who that is and I think that would have been not great (laughs) so I'm glad they didn't do it yeah I think even if it didn't point to the fusion thing I think just to stray someone else is hanging out in the temple would be too hard to just leave as a thing we don't do more with yeah I mean granted there's a lot of stuff about the temple we still don't know anything about why is there a crystal heart and what the heck's going on with It's weird pulmonary system seeming (laughs) veins and stuff. But I think it would have been hard to sell. There's no need to go looking for this entire other person who's hanging around in our inner sanctum. Yeah, yeah. Why isn't anybody else worried about this? And would it have been another sort of warp tour situation where Stephen keeps saying he saw something and no one believes him? That would have, I don't know. Mm. Sad. Yeah, that's one. And also in, well, fake hindsight, it would be... Even harder to rationalize that as Stephen spots Ruby voices this to the other gems and someone doesn't say, someone doesn't explain the fusion thing to him there and then because it would completely explain everything. Right. It's, I mean, on the one hand, they don't have to hide that from us. They could let us put it together and never have a scene like this. But I like what they decided to do. I like that they did sort of a revelation Yeah, and I like, and I think I mentioned this before, I like that there was just enough to not lock it in before it was actually literally confirmed. Mm -hmm. That's the way I like to see things like this play out, that you can make some pretty good guesses, but you you still feel a bit of surprise and a bit of joy when the payoff confirms. Right, Or, or maybe like you had the theory that Garnet is a fusion, but you were pleasantly surprised to find, oh, wow, they're romantic fusion, and that really mm. adds so much punch to it. And then, of course, you get this wonderful song and, you know, relationship stuff, and now you have a whole other series of questions and want to know so much more about her besides, is this a fact of her existence? There's so much more wonderful things to wonder. <laughs> mm. Obviously, this episode went through a lot of development, a lot of questions of how they would reveal it. And apparently there was sort of more plotty stuff in the original drafts where 
they had to follow more clues or spend more time figuring out where Sapphire was as they left it. You know, it was, it was, it ended up just mostly being, they're running around trying to find her just by chance, but originally, and this was even drawn out by Joe Johnston. He drew some really great drawings that Rebecca was like sad that they had to scrap them because they didn't do the scene, but you know, they have, they had, they had like more plotty stuff that they had to scrap to make enough space for the song to fit. I'm glad they did. Yeah. And I, I like the song and I, I don't feel like the main thrust of the episode was an intricate search for Sapphire. I think that would have turned it into something it's not. I think, I think it would have slowed things down a bit more yeah. than it needed. That's pretty much what they said. They said that they examined why do we need a scene like this? because and the main thing is we need the emotional center of ruby is desperate to find sapphire we don't need to prolong it any more than is necessary to show that really well yeah if, if it was all structured differently then maybe finding sapphire would be a story of its own but it's not yeah and you can obviously just 100 percent believe that steven and ruby together would not be sitting there strategizing okay you go this way and I'll go this way and we'll make this map, you know, like neither of them seems like the type who would be strategizing or theorizing of what would be the most effective way to do this. They're just running around. Mm. And it's not time to pause and have another video game level episode. (laughs) Right. So they also were kind of conflicted as to what they should do about Peridot, like originally, I guess they were having her crash with the team and that they would have had a whole have a whole separate confrontation to get rid of her. So they're like, let's just take her out of the scene and have her confrontation in a different episode and have her escape. So that was smart too. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Work. (laughs) So amazing. Yeah, I mean it wouldn't have added anything to anyone if she'd like been there at the beach or anything. Right. Yeah. So maybe she's in Canada, right? And in fact, if you'd had her at the beach, then you would have killed the ending because then it goes straight to, oh, we've got to deal with Peridot before the episode finishes. Mm. I've also copied Arnaldo's blog for this episode. Ah. So. What's the Fryman sibling got to say for himself? So he has, in all caps, the space hand blew up, many exclamation marks, but we're safe. But questions remain. Like, who blew it up? And why did it come to Beach City? And how come Petey always gets to ride in the front seat? (laughs) He continues, I have my own theory. The space hand is connected to the polymorph extension rocks. Oh. Their goal is to hollow mm-hmm. out the Earth so they can transport it to their star system, as shown here in this very technical animated sequence. And he has a where a cartoon hand just burrows in, follows up, hollows out the Earth, and then just pushes it somewhere. And he continues, I'll have to do some more investigating to find out the truth. But I have a feeling this is going to turn into something big. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. That's what the Daleks wanted to do. They wanted to hollow out the earth and fly it around. Yep, that's that was certainly his theory back in Keep Beach City Weird, which is episode 31. Already talking about diamonds. Yeah, so he's obviously stuck on this hollow the earth and fly it around theory. Yeah, he is really fixated on that. I guess he thinks that they would be able to transport it more easily if it wasn't full of, you know, a solid planet. <laughs> Oh, maybe that's why they're planning all those amethysts, <laughs> right? In the kindergarten, all those holes. <laughs> what about the other holes? Maybe they're all just eating all the rocks. <laughs> yeah, maybe they actually didn't come out. They went down and started burrowing. 
Oh my goodness, Ronaldo was right. Ronaldo was right. Mm. So, mm. so Jasper wanted to abandon what Peridot's mission is because she says Rose Quartz takes priority. So we still don't really have any clear understanding of what is Peridot up to, but we do know that she's irritated that Jasper just wants to eclipse the mission and drag Rose Quartz back to Homeworld. And she's already mentioned that she needs to do something about or with a kindergarten and a cluster. She was supposed to check on the cluster, I think, is her commentary. Yeah, and to which Jasper's like, nah, it's all about Rose Quartz now. Yeah, I guess that's why they used a weapon to destabilize Garnet specifically, which I guess we should be glad that she apparently does not take two weeks to come back like Pearl, but she wanted them prisoner rather than, like, destroyed. So she's going to bring Rose Quartz in as a prisoner, except now she can't because she's in a hate fusion under the sea. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it sucks to be you, Jasper. And they might want to ask our heroes, have you been messing around with the kindergarten and or the cluster mm-hmm. and indeed they kind of be messing around at the kindergarten so oh certainly and amethyst's been hanging out there and yeah. kicking rocks into two rocks <laughs> follow-up questions let's go off the probing question i'm not sure exactly what i want to ask you but i guess i'll just kind of keep it simple and say what do you think about a relationship like garnets where they become one person like the ramifications of that any weird thoughts you might have? <laughs> well, I'm going back to one of the traditional, at least in some cultures and religions, things was that marriage was making two people one. So this uh-huh. is a far more literal representation of that. I don't know if this counts as a marriage per se, but then we're on to gem spousal customs. <laughs> That's a real whole thing in itself. Yeah. But that definitely sprang into my mind. Yeah, and in a lot of cultures, people like will take the other person's surname, so they're sort of subsuming their identity into the other person's identity mm-hmm. in a similar-ish way, but names yeah. are changed just like with Garnet. Yeah, I mean, these two seem to be truly united rather than one subsuming the other. Uh, yeah, they make something else together, that's right. Yeah, they'd have to be pretty in sync. I mean, I would think if no matter how much they loved each other, even if they were in the habit of disagreeing, that would upset trying to remain in a stable fusion form 24 7 because that seems the one constant seems to be that if the components get too off base from each other then even if they don't separate right away at least disrupts things Mm -hmm. Uh, we we saw alexandrite stayed together for a while after her components argued for a bit but she soon disassembled Mm -hmm. and sugalite's probably a bit of an outlier in this regard because it might be that they were agreeing too well to separate, just not the right parts of them. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, well, they would obviously have to love and know each other very well for quite some time beforehand before they decided not just let's spend our lives together, but let's spend our lives together. Mm-hmm. And I think yin-yang comparisons aren't unfair. I agree. I was just going to elaborate on that when you got to say your piece is that they're clearly very diametrically opposed in some ways. So that's very different from the way Amethyst and Pearl are. They must be more complementary than in opposition. 
Yeah, I'd say, for example, that this time the, the fury and the consider, consideration go to deep emotional disciplines rather than, you know, an, an inability to concentrate on one feeling or thought. So they're, yeah, like you say, they're complementary. They're opposite, but not necessarily opposed per se. That's a good way of saying it. I like that. And that's the key thing of yin and yang, that it's about two components that, however different, need to fit together to make it all work. And being that this is some kind of relationship allegory, even though it's not something that we can literally do as humans, uh, I've seen some people express concern about what the form this takes, just because they're like, well, if they're permanently, they're like, quote, really two people, but they're permanently living as one, they're like, isn't that the definition of being codependent? And that's a complicated question mm. because in our society, we were like, well, that's bad, isn't it? To be codependent. Whereas with them, they can, if they can literally become one person and they'd rather be that person than who they are individually, then that's a different question than any human can ask because human can never become one person, mm-hmm. but they can. Yeah. And I guess... We've known them for all of a couple of minutes, so we can't say how incomplete the other is without the other, other than obviously missing their partner. But one assumes they were both fully independent beings before meeting and eventually merging. So I would think, and again, based on the few minutes we've known them, they seem to be more interdependent and helping each other rather than codependent in a debilitating sense. Right. Yeah. From this episode, we mostly just see them desperate to be fused together again. They wanted to make sure they were okay. Each other were okay. And then the love takes over. They dance and they become garnet. So it's kind of hard to be like, oh, well, I'm going to judge that. But just as a concept, I can see why people would be concerned like, oh, this is supposed to be a relationship, but they're together always. They they don't have their own identities for most of their time being alive. And I've heard some people phrasing it like that. I think of it differently, but I can see why people would say that. I think Garnet is their identity as much as their separation, their separate identities are. Yeah. And we don't know their reasoning why they might not want to live their life forever as ruby and as sapphire that they spend most of their time as garnet and that they might have their own reasons that are legit you know you don't get to tell them which way they should be happier but yeah i can see why from a human perspective you would never want to be so dependent on somebody else for your daily identity that you don't spend any time apart from them unless you're actively trying to get back to them yeah i can see it I just, you know, yeah. I think it's more I, common than that. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that doesn't entirely map over to the human experience because we tend not to, f- f- we, we don't f- combine into other people, thus forming identities out of identities and individuals out of individuals. Mm-hmm. And our relationships do not live as conscious entities, even though some, like, I, I also really like kind of that exploration of a collective identity, not just in a science fiction way where you're talking about sort of a gestalt situation, but the idea that if, especially in, with long-term partners, that if you know one, you know the other. If you invite one, you invite the other kind of thing that you function very much like not halves of a whole, but as a package deal. And 
you know, you don't want to say, oh, that person is my better half or whatever. Like you don't want to actually say each person is half a person and that they only add up to one. But when, uh, when you've been with someone for a very long time and you do function as part of a couple and maybe you are different outside of that, that even when you're by yourself and not with your partner, you're still mentally, you're part of that couple and it does change you. It changes who you become and who you are forever after if you're in one of these great relationships like this. But some people are are kind of saying, well, that should be a concern. That should be like, I don't know, I guess they're almost fetishizing individuality and they don't trust interdependence and code co co-dependency, I guess, is always a dirty word in that situation. I don't know. I think also it's a very subjective from relationship to relationship thing. In the show itself, we've had the I am made of love that is Garnet and straight afterwards had those two are bad for each other. That is Malachite. Yeah, Malachite. And that happens with real life couples that to some couples you think, ah, oh, it's great how they always how they always work so well together. And some couples you think, oh, it's not healthy for them to have no time apart. Right. And that it's actively damaging and bad for them if they're Malachite. Yeah. So I'd say I'd say it's a subjective case by case thing with fusions just as it is with humans. Yeah, I agree. And then you have someone like Stephen and Connie had a great experience as Stevani for the most part, like there were some rough patches, but they did things as Stevani that neither of them would have those experiences individually. And as when they unfuse, they have memories of that, but not as themselves, they have the memories of it happening to Stevani. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, that is an experience that you can't do as an individual either. Like it's just by definition, not part of being an individual. It's part of being a fusion. And that is also sort of unique, but you also don't really think the ultimate wonderful thing of this show would be if Stevani became the constant and we never saw Steven and Connie, you know what I mean? You can still say their relationship is a great thing to explore and live some of your life as without saying, I would rather them end up like Garnet. You know, it's like it's good for her, maybe, and maybe not as much for them. Who knows? Yeah, and certainly, even Garnet's joy at meeting Stevani. We've not since seen her say, "Why didn't you stay confused? Why don't you merge again?" Yes, it's true. She hasn't been like ragging them like some annoying aunt that wants you to get married. <laughs> <laughs> Can't really see Garnet doing that. No, funny as it is, though. <laughs> Time for more fan fiction. <laughs> okay. I think, honestly, with that probing question, you got more of me rambling about my thoughts on it than really your thoughts. So I'm sorry. <laughs> it is not so giant women plural. That's true. But I think, in general, people are a little more interested in what you have to say because you you are a fresh perspective. And <laughs> frustrated I give everything the wrong nicknames. Oh, <laughs> think I've seen too much of that. Well, I, Although we're very excited about whenever we post a new episode. <laughs> well, obviously, I've not seen it either, but I know that fandom obviously comes up with nicknames for things that don't have names in shows. And because uh, I won't have been exposed to them, I won't have sort of hit on to what any popular collective terms might be. Yeah. I'm trying to think, what did you, you, you called the, you called something, a name that I've never heard before. I think when they were getting 
reduced to their gems. You made up a word for it that I don't think I've heard before. Oh, I can't remember that. I know for quite a while I called the home world the gem sphere. Right. Until we worked out that the name of the home world was, in fact, home world. World, yeah. I mean, we call our planet dirt, so. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> and I think I've slipped in gem empire, gem empire for yeah. gem empire now and then, which. Yeah. I don't know if you think, I'm not sure if they've actively said they've had an empire, but they've all but said it. So I'm content with that one. You are not the only person who has independently invented that. And I found that really entertaining when you started saying it. <laughs> Gempire is too perfect. I think Gemsphere also still slips out occasionally just because I like it. Mm. And of course, the Dariaism, the treehouse. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, which I refuse to let go of. Even dozens of episodes after the house was not in a tree. <laughs> yeah, true. Oh. Music, which we've sort of gone to already a bit because the big music of this episode is, of course, Garnet's song. I'm going to take a guess. It's called Stronger Than You. Sure is. I think it was that or Made of Love. Right. Obviously, like, it was great, as we discussed, and then it was cool that you led in with a rap and then she sang. I have a couple more things to say about it personally. Is I think a lot of people think of Garnet, you know, as she has a, a very low resonant kind of voice but this song was in pretty high register she's singing some high notes in it mm. interesting also it is not easy to play on ukulele yes not a uke song uh, yeah. not at all my goodness i mean the, the opening chord for it looks like this look at this crap like <laughs> my fingers hurt already yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Like, I, I mean, and I had to learn that chord for this song because I'm like, when am I ever going to play that? So did you manage to make a cover of it at all, though? Oh, sure. Yeah. I learned a lot. <laughs> Eventually. I just have like kind of an embarrassing white girl version. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, also, you can't play a uke without sounding like you're playing a little folk song. Right? It doesn't sound like this. Once you throw in a ukulele, it definitely sounds a bit more hometown backwards than... Oh, yeah. Than, yeah. Than R&B. Yeah, I can't really quite picture Garnet fighting Jasper to a uke version. Yeah, I've and I'm not an expert on music, but I'm not sure if the ukulele is one of the more common instruments in that genre of music. Oh, no. But it has been entertaining nonetheless to invent ukulele versions of all of the songs cool the ones that are ukulele and the ones that are guitar are usually pretty good easy translations but stuff like this i just accept that it's going to sound silly and then sound silly <laughs> there are a few that are terrible matches for a uke and it just becomes funny to try to do it <laughs> i still just crank it out you know don't worry about being ridiculous so Yep, I did it. There's also the little song that Sapphire sings. Oh, you know what? I didn't mention that some people who you said a very musicy person, but the opening chords of Stronger Than You are the same chord progression as the Bill Withers song, Just the Two of Us. Oh, that I did notice. Yeah, I've heard that song. I used to listen to that song a lot, or at least hear it a lot. So I did notice the resemblance. I didn't know it. I didn't know enough to know what I was hearing, but I thought, oh, that sounds like that other song. 
Yeah. And so, and that was not a coincidence, of course, like a song that's called Just the Two of Us, right? Oh, good one. That's adorable. Didn't think of that. Uh, that's pretty cool. But anyway, the, the song that Sapphire sang was part, you know, was a not quite as recognizable version of part of the song they were about to sing. Ah. So, just like singing in her little gem cave there. Mm. <laughs> distant and choral. Yeah. <laughs> this is my song to you, Ruby. We're about to sing this song. Her version of going, me, 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 me. She's like, come find me so we can sing this badass tune. Been waiting all season for this, Rubes. <laughs> yeah, I really want to sing. I really want to <laughs> drop a bomb here. Yeah, well, that was so cool. I mean, you all but expect Garnet to click her fingers and say, hit it. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, it was just the visor they did. But the, sort of, you know what you'd, you'd call it, the icing on the cake, maybe, is the sweet little song at the end over the credits, which finally has words, and it's called Love Like You. Ah. And that was Rebecca Sugar singing. Oh, oh, good, good. That's that's a very appropriate thing. Yeah. yeah, this is a very interesting song because this is the first time we've heard any lyrics to it, but it's been the end theme throughout. And, you know, it's been kind of changing as the show changes. Now, finally, it has words. So it's been evolving a lot like the show. <laughs> I will certainly have more to say about that as we continue to also evolve yeah, and i didn't get a proper listen to it because the uh, s- streaming s- tried to skip to the next episode yeah but it did sound a kind of upbeat yet melancholy thing it really is lovely mm-hmm. i have a feeling that you're gonna have to add that stronger than you song to your rotation immediately <laughs> yeah <laughs> brand spanking new mint inbox i don't know that i have anything besides merchandise left to show you I bet you can't guess what it is, though. Is it that we finally unlocked the floodgates and you can show me rubies and sapphires? Weirdly, not exactly. Oh, okay. Um, I guess maybe it's just because of their relative rarity on the show because Garnet is very stable, but there's not a lot of ruby and sapphire merchandise. It does exist, but I will show it to you other time. I should remember one of the previous ones. It was like, I was waiting to show you this, but I couldn't until this character came along. Yeah, yeah kind of what happened with the previous one where I was showing you my toys and Jasper is part of it so I couldn't show it to you. This is what I want to show you. This is well since it's a special episode I'm going to show you a couple things but this is a single of the song. Oh that is pretty. Pretty little face. Mm. I don't know if you can see it without the glare depending on how I hold it. Oh uh, yeah I could definitely see it. It's a sparkles on her eyes yeah but it's a vinyl record and it has stronger than you on side a and the b side is love like you nice cool so it does have ruby and sapphire drawn on it oh i like that style that's a bit like the opening closing not the opening credits the title card style very cute and a little vinyl record inside has ruby on one side and sapphire on the other Uh, it's very cute yeah (laughs) Grinning face, and there's Sapphire's grinning face. Ah, it looks a bit weird because they didn't grin a whole lot for most of their appearance. Yes, we know they can. This was difficult to get because it was San Diego Comic Con 2016 special. So you had to get it from somebody who went to the con. So eBay's good. <laughs> but I got it at the time that they had it so it wasn't really hard to find someone selling it but now it's really hard to find people selling i saw this on ebay for 500 dollars recently 
ridiculous. But similarly, I also have a bag that has Garnet's adorable face on it, a giant bag. And on the back, it says made of love. Oh, it's a big old shopping bag. Yeah, that's a pretty big bag. That'd be handy. It's, I can get inside of it pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bag lady now. Yeah, there we go. So, but this is straight from Cartoon Network's store. It's just straightforward merchandise. That's what my previous cat used to do. She used to go into the bag because she could smell her boyfriend on it. I'm a cat. I'm secretly a cat. I'm wearing a fan-made shirt in honor of this episode, but it's not official merch, so that's just a bonus. Yeah. Oh, it's still pretty cool. It's a shame it's not official. Yeah. For those, you, for those who can't see, it's got a sapphire and a ruby in terms mm-hmm. of the character's gemstones, not the characters themselves, and each one has a ribbon saying back and together. Mm-hmm. It's pretty nice. Yeah, I like it. I had to have this one because I like the design and I like the sentiment. And so, of course, there's other merchandise that has Garnet and references her being a fusion and all that stuff on it. But, you know, there will be plenty of other mm-hmm. opportunities to enjoy now that Garnet is allowed to talk about it. We'll see if she ever fucking shuts up, but just kidding. <laughs> no, I just feel like she was probably relieved at this point that Steven didn't reject her and was excited about it. So now she can share whatever she wants about it. What was I going to say about Ruby and Sapphire stuff? Yeah, I'm disappointed that they never became Funko Pops. They're shaped for it. They're shaped for it. They're almost literally Funko Pops on screen. Yeah, yeah. Simplistic features and very square sort of thing to Ruby's little sort of bumpy fro. And they've got pretty proportionally big heads already. Yeah, I don't understand. They'd make cute earrings if you had like a little version of each one, like maybe only a few centimetres tall, you could have one on each ear. Oh, I would do that. I would buy that. It's so cute. Yeah, there's definitely like friendship bracelets and stuff that are made to be parts of sets that are for Ruby. Oh, or like cufflinks. Mm. Oh, that'd be great. See, and because I'm very short, I would love to be able to cosplay one of them, but I don't have like a component, a, a co-component. Yeah, another short friend. To go with. I shared this problem with my very tall friend. And he's like, well, you just dress up as Sapphire because you've got like the bangs. Mm-hmm. Dress up as Sapphire. And then when people ask you, where's Ruby? Like reach into your pocket and pull out like a shattered Ruby and just cry. And make people feel bad. <laughs> I'm never going to do that. And you're a monster. But I also was laughing. So <laughs> it's <was> terrible. <laughs> I, As if either one of them would be at a convention hanging out if their partner was shattered. <laughs> I know a pair of twin little people, but it'd probably be incredibly tacky to suggest it to them. <laughs> Unless they were already fans of the show. And yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Well, I don't really know them. They're just regulars at one of the places I go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have done the cosplay as Amethyst, though, and she's little, so I have done cosplay as Stevani and as Garnet, but since I'm so small, that's kind of hilarious, and I was just like, after I decided to try a cosplay of Amethyst, I was like, I think that I just figured it was time for me to stop trying to cosplay tall fusions, because <laughs> I'm just so tiny. <laughs> you can you can get away with... With your look, you can get away with Rose and sort of just say that you're slightly further away from the camera. <laughs> there you go. 
I've done kind of a casual rose cosplay, but I don't have a huge pink wig, so I've never done that. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been to any conventions or anything since we started doing this, so I've not knowingly seen any cosplay in the wild. Yeah, I'm especially sad that the events of 2020 made it impossible to do a lot of the conventions and stuff because, you know, the longer that we spend after the show has ended, the less popularity it will have in costumes and events and stuff. And so I missed a whole year of the show being, you know, the show ended a few months before the convention season in my area. And I was looking forward to going to another one with the show freshly ended, you know, and doing another, I've run a panel with like, I gave away merchandise just for fun, just gave people stuff for participating. And I wanted to do it again, but I'm worried that like a whole another year going by, people won't be as interested anymore. So that's sad. But I think if anyone is, I've already established myself as a lifelong fan of this show. So (laughs) people are still cosplaying like, things that have been out for a really long time so well you know. people cosplay the evangelion cast and that's been gone for 25 years yeah i mean every once in a while you see somebody dressed as jesus <laughs> there you go <laughs> why not garnet right <laughs> i have not done a pearl cosplay that's the main character i haven't done <laughs> you would have a lot of hair to deal with that pearl doesn't that's right but that was also the case when i had to try to be garnet so <laughs> it's what it is what else do I have? I don't think I have anything else for you. Merchandise. There's no food, I said. Told you about Ronaldo's blog. What else can we talk about? I probably It'll probably all come out in the wash if we forget to talk about it this time. But this is an epic episode. Yeah. <laughs> How many times are you going to rewatch it? <laughs> oh, many. Especially the middle bit with the song. Yeah. I'm sure you can see why I wanted to discuss the return before watching jailbreak because it would be eclipsed even though they're both really good yeah really feels very like just the anticipation can't be matched from the return but jailbreak just pays it out so well yeah. well a lot of things we've had suspended for several episodes or even most of the season have finally paid off or been settled or whatever yeah and now other things are set in motion where you're just like oh crap what's gonna happen now Like there's the question of will Homeworld want to follow up on this this failed mission, but this mission was the big one for the past several episodes. So that's really a new question in and of itself. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it probably should concern Homeworld that they sent a ship and all three of the passengers disappeared. And But we don't know what's happening on Homeworld and whatever else is going on, they only... They only sent a pen pusher, a bodyguard, and an emo down for this, so... Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So the next episode, should I tell you the title as we wrap things? Go on. Next episode is called Full Disclosure. Oh, I suppose it could be someone someone telling someone else everything that happened here. Mm. Maybe more Maybe more backstory now that they've got a moment to breathe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so season two begins, and the two episodes that we watched for this session were the Thursday of the Stephen Bomb, and they showed season two, episode one, as the Friday. So they let us have this aftermath episode, I guess. Mm. Uh, Cartoon Network, how does your scheduling department work? You know, I actually realized that there was a factoid I did not 
realize I wanted to mention, but now that you've seen the episodes, you will know the impact of this. Part of the reason that I didn't want you to use streaming service or anything to watch this stuff is because I didn't know the order that they would subject you to. And we've talked about the glitches and the Stephen Baum order and stuff like that. But I know of one particularly egregious one, I believe it was through Amazon. And because Amazon releases these in pairs, because they're half half length, depending on what you're usually expecting, half hour episodes to produce to 22 minute episodes. They're like, oh, well, people don't want to pay full price for an episode that's half the length. They would wait until the second one came out to release them in pairs. So if you if you were really trying to keep up on it and not get spoiled, you this show was not good for you because you would usually have to wait till the next one came out to watch both of the previous ones. Mm. This So the way that they ended up pairing them, obviously these two were paired. Mm. They put the return in jailbreak. But because of how that broke down, they ended up doing the message and then the return in jailbreak and then political power. So they just like released the finale in between like political power and full disclosure after all of this stuff happened and it confused a lot of people. They were like, wait, this is being spun like it's some kind of, like, is this a flashback or is this like a weird out of sequence episode? What's going on? But it was just aired out of order. So you're going back before the conflict and getting everything spoiled for you. And it's like, wow, that was a really bad idea. You know? That's a mess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, from, from lining up the episode that we, did stream today. It does look like that Stan has things in the right order because the episode was episode 52. Mm-hmm. So those ones that have been shunted forward apparently are back where they should be. Yeah, in the official releases and everything on like DVDs, they have them in the proper order for the most part. But And certainly no glitches like that. But yeah, I think I'm not positive right now, but I mean, Amazon might still have that issue. I wonder if I look at it. Because I bought all the seasons on Amazon, even though I had already seen them at the time that I bought them. But, you know, you want to pay for the show if you love it. (laughs) So that's what I do. I don't have cable and stuff, so I don't have access through typical channels. But I wonder if I can find out. Not that it's that, like, huge deal. Like, are they doing this screwed up thing that I know they did at some point? They did. But I just don't know if it's still like that. Mm. How do I find my digital stuff? Anyway, oh, Amazon, digital stuff. Oh, wow, I made a weird noise. Steven Universe, season one. Where are you? Oh, it's trying to show me books. Yeah, I think I'll figure this out. Oh, there's Steven Universe, season one. It's telling me, hey, you bought this. I'm like, oh, really? Did I Did I buy it? So, okay, it's got it as season one is only up to episode 26. So they split it up like that so they could keep charging you more stuff. <laughs> All right. So they have this listed as season two. Damn, they did do it. It's like that to this day. Yeah. Yep. Rose's scabbard and the message. And then the next one is the return and jailbreak. And then after that, full disclosure and then political power. Wow. That's not good. No, the political power is not a movable feast. It really isn't. Wow. I can't believe they did that to people. So usually it'll just automatically start playing if you buy the whole season, right? I don't know. Anyway. So I've never bought video from Amazon before, so I don't know. Yeah, it's really crappy. And I bet you all the reviews, I bet they're all complaining about that. But I'm not going to look at them right now because I am 
sick of looking at it. <laughs> I'm mad. I'm mad all over again <laughs> that people might watch that out of order like that. Oh, it's terrible. Well, I was going to like this show, but they've stuck this political power episode in the wrong place, so I'm not going to watch it anymore. Yeah. It just seems like if you went straight from the message to the return, that would be a little bit strange. Maybe not entirely strange. I don't know. Hmm. Well, I think losing political power in itself wouldn't be the end of the world, but it's even it gets weirder once it's stuck somewhere it just completely doesn't fit. Yes, that's probably the issue. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> So, not the fact. There's the not show giant women's position on Amazon episode ordering. Yes. I'm salty and I will not apologize. <laughs> All right. So, but most of the stuff that we've had to say today was very positive. Yeah, especially fanning ourselves down after that finale. Yeah. A fantastic episode and still absolutely one of my favorite pieces of television in my life. So, I guess with that, we can wrap this sucker up and hope yeah, this- everybody's still awake. Yeah, this will have been a long one. Yeah, I guess we'll deal. (laughs) It deserves it. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next season. Yes. Bye. You've been listening to Ivy and Daria on Not So Giant Women. You can find episodes of the show in video form by looking up Not So Giant Women on YouTube or in audio form at anchor.fm slash not so giant women or your podcatcher of choice. You can also find us on Facebook. Audio production by Daria. Video production and music by Ivy. Daria can also be heard on Postploitation, the Ozploitation podcast. And Ivy at her Steven Universe fan blog at love-takes-work.tumblr.com. Steven Universe was created by Rebecca Sugar and remains property of Cartoon Network. No infringement is intended. Stephen.